This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What is poppin' everybody, and welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. But you know, I'm here with my sidekick, because everybody <laughs> else is gone. The Tortuga. No, no, he's not fucking here. You don't get to do the bit. day two of the win 400. The man, you know, he's a grinder. He's a grinder. He went into day two with four big blinds. Yeah, he'll be here shortly. (laughs) You know, I I don't think four big blinds is really going to. Gonna do a whole lot for him. Uh, I am not your only friend today, though. We we. Oh no, you are. No, we've managed to. Oh no, you are. <laughs> we've managed to recruit Mister Tap Tap himself for Strat Chat, uh, Christian Soto, from what appears to be the same same tunnel that he's been in between here and Mexico with El Chapo. <laughs> You guys are funny, man. You just yeah, got no, that green it's, screen, it's good huh? To see. It's good to see both of you. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a little while. I see what? both of you are doing great things, though. It's it's nice to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're out here fighting the good fight. You're you're in Jersey. I am in New Jersey currently. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's been wild out here, man. It's it's uh, the games are good. In uh, Jersey. The, yeah, there was fifty a hundred on parks yesterday. It was it was it's it's really good. It's crazy out here. It's a, it's a, it's good times. Banks are collapsing around me. It's uh yeah. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold on a second. Yesterday was Tuesday, right? So the parks ten ten game has now turned into the parks fifty a hundred game. There was eight of them yesterday. Eight and games? Ten, eight ten ten games yesterday, and then that was also a fifty a hundred game. Oh. Wait, what? What's going on? This isn't normal, right? Like, is there a series there or something? No, there's, there hasn't been a series on the East Coast in, in a year or, or plus. There's, yeah, it's just, it's just, games are good. There's a lot of money out here, I guess, you know? This is all very strange. We were just talking about how uh, Maryland ended up not being the, the hotbed that was expected whenever uh, Maryland Live opened up. Like, it was maybe a couple years before... Uh, the bigger games started to collapse, and you know people yeah, then migrated I to Boston. I, mean, I, I was I was kind of chatting with you guys in chat. You probably didn't get a chance to see it, but basically, I was saying that that did happen. But then remember when they had the stables going, you know, with uh, K Hall and Chad and these guys, like they really they really decimated those games because they had they had a few horses in each of those each of those games, you know, for many months. So that doesn't help. No, it doesn't help, but that's kind of the nature of all markets, right? Like, it's not like that's not happening in LA and Vegas and these other big markets as well. It's just uh, they're a little bit more mature. So people know to come to Vegas to play poker. I don't think anyone was like, I think we thought the New York money was going to flow to Maryland and it just kind of never did. It's just a little too far. It's just like no one wants to, no one wants to drive there. No, but it's like an hour long train ride, 45 minute train ride. Yeah, but. People don't want to take the train. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, you know, parks is just so much easier to get to. The action's been cultivated already. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's pretty isolated, too. Yeah, no, it's... it's 50, 100 there, right? at... No. What the fuck would I ever go to parks for, man? 50, 100. If I, if I knew that was popping off, maybe I'd... <laughs> where am I even going to stay? There's no hotel. You're in the middle of Bethlehem, PA. Like, fucking... 
raise a barn with the Amish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 hotels surrounding the area, but yeah, I mean, it sells out. It's unfortunate that the tournament scene has really crashed because that was one of the best tournament scenes in the country. Like that, they they really structured it well. Each one of those first places were over 100k, and it was like a 300 dollars tournament. Is uh is Parks actually a full casinos or just a card room? It's a full casino. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They I wasn't used to sure. separate. They it used to be separate where uh, on one building. It was the horse races at the park and the poker, and then the other building was the casino. But now they just moved every they moved the poker room back to the casino, which is actually beneficial for the for the poker players. Yeah, that seems reasonable. So, was this a one off, or is this is this game going to keep running? It's going to keep running, dude. There was fifty hundred uh, at the win, like three of the last four days too. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Poker, it's good. I mean, it's public too. So, well, it's it's public. It's, there it's public-ish. Okay, there were 16 names on the list and no second game. I said public-ish, okay? That's not, that's <laughs> not public-ish, and it's not public. <laughs> that's I a mean, fake fucking list. Just fucking get there, you know, be there consistently, you know, play the 1020 throughout the week, and then you'll be in the dough, there, and you'll there's be no okay. 1020, there's no 1020 at win yet. There's 1020 uh, every day. Nah, there's 5-1020. Yes. That's what I mean. Well, I ain't but the same game. <laughs> No, but it is the same. It's uncapped and it's ten twenty. Yeah, 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 it's mandatory. It's not. It's on the plaque. It's five ten twenty. This is a mandatory twenty. I uh, and this will this will carry into the sizing conversation a little bit later. But I'm very much of the impression that when you run a stake, whether it's with three blinds or two or whatever the case may be, and you allow the smaller chip to be on the table, the game is infinitely smaller, infinitely smaller. So if you're gonna run five ten twenty, it is gonna play significantly smaller than just ten twenty. I don't know. In my opinion, at least in my experience, I should say. Um, uh, I don't know. Sometimes at nighttime it turns into twenty forty. Yeah, man, who has all fucking day to be hanging around the goddamn wind, waiting for the game to get bigger? I got a text at four a.m. Seat finally um, opened. Like, wow, you leave me alone. I'm oh, in bed. I've been asleep for six hours. Fucking old. You've been doing uh, well though. Yeah, a little bit of a win streak. I'm actually skipping live at the bike this week. Uh, game's small tomorrow. Robbie's playing. I think it's only quarter 50. And uh, it's March Madness. There's just... Vegas is too good. Actually, that probably makes a lot of sense why this is popping off. Um, like, all over the place. Everybody's... I mean, I don't know about how it affects parks, but, like, everyone's in Vegas during March Madness, especially opening weekend. This place is going to be tough. It's gonna be tough. I, I probably won't play at all anyway. Who gives a shit? But, it's gotta get there early. No, that's the thing. You don't. Once you start playing fifty eight hundred and above, if you're not on the the list for the entry or for the opening of the seat, then it's the exact opposite. You gotta get there late, right? Because right. like you're never gonna get in. I was um, talking for the regular people, you know. Oh, you mean for like the five ten and below? Yeah, my people. Yeah, but like, uh. I don't. It, it's not like World Series time. Like, no, nah, it's bad, bro. You go to the win at two p.m. You're not sitting until nine p.m. You think? Yeah, man. I've been there. Before. I think that's true with Bellagio. I feel like wind's not getting. I mean, nah, I know they're getting a lot more traffic now, but the list is fifty deep for two five uh, during during March Madness. Yeah, that's kind of wild. And it's been a long time since I played during March Madness. Yeah. Good old days. Good old. Come days. hang out with us, bro. Come hang out. Now, nah, if I go to the East Coast, there's a 200-400 game in Maryland I would go play. Oh, um, shit. But it only runs, like, sporadically. 
I can't come do hang it. out, play five, ten, twenty with us. Dude. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I have a fucking business to run. Got Connie sleeping at the wheel over here, sipping on his goddamn tab. <laughs> Connie looks good, man. He doesn't even know he's on screen. <laughs> you all right, man? We got a fucking skeleton crew here, and you got done. You you went quiet. Yeah, I'm chilling. Man, brutal. Connie I'll looks good. I'll make up, I'll make up for Connie, guys. I'll 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 head the um the strat chat today. You, you guys want to talk about Perlot again? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> Now Chin's quiet. <laughs> what, what seems to be the problem, boys? We, I, don't uh, have any, I don't have any problem. I think this is the thing with blood, man. I think that uh, even if we don't, even if, you know, I don't agree with the way that he goes about it, I think he has, like, good intentions with what he's trying to do. Well, so, to quote uh, Prolod and everybody from that camp, intentions don't mean shit. All that matters are actions. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like he wants to clean things up, and and I I kind of get the bigger picture of what he's trying to do, and for that, and, and there's also like a little bit of nostalgia. Like I used to watch him back in the day, you know, like when he got like six bet, and he had aces versus Vanessa. Yeah, tough life, like, man. <laughs> tough fucking life. <laughs> you know, like what did Vanessa have? Like Jack Seven. She, Jack Seven suits. <laughs> she just looks at Antonio and goes, "Why? Why do I always do this?" She had the aggressive suit, like, you know, she had diamonds, I think. So it was, you know, it is what it is. Poor Vanessa. God bless Vanessa. I, I, can, God. I can relate all too well. Um, big shout out to Poker Face Ash, who won her first ring yesterday. She took down the uh, Run Good Circuit event at ooh, Tampa, I believe. No, it's um, somewhere in Florida. No, it's, I think it's Tulsa. Tulsa? It's one of them. It's, oh. mid, it's a Midwest. Um, Pittsburgh uh, line. <laughs> Bro, fucking relax, all right? And number one. Uh, number two, I thought I saw her tweet. Uh, I thought I saw her quote tweet something from... Nex's best bet, Jax. Jax oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Best That's bet. That's the next best run good. Oh, so that was after she won. Yeah. I see, I see. Okay, well, I guess she's out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> calling Oklahoma and Pittsburgh the same. It's so hilarious. They're adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right next to one another. Yeah. They basically border each other. Midwest adjacent. Right, right. Sure. No. <laughs> Squarely in the Midwest. <laughs> Pittsburgh's East Coast adjacent. No. That's the... Well, never... No. Do I need to give you a geography lesson? I, we already did this. I already showed you what happened. What? Everything from that side over is Midwest, and it just happens that Pittsburgh's in there. You fucking New York elitist. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only state that could be on the East Coast. You guys are like literally the middle of fucking nowhere. You are all a bunch of fucking elitists too. You guys start calling the South at Virginia. What? You don't? You're like, oh, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, that's all I, the I South. Was gonna say We're the only East Coast fucking state. I was gonna I say mean, we literally just, it, it's just where slavery began. Like that's no, where I, I know, South I, yeah, I get That's it. That's where the South begins. No, I understand. It's it's the Mason Dixon line, which actually runs right through Maryland. But uh, <laughs> but, but whenever it comes to like you know geographical differences, it's it's New York. It considers itself right. the only thing on the East Coast, and then everything else becomes the Northeast, the South, or the Midwest. <laughs> um, tell me another North or tell me another East Coast state. Um, Come on, what? I'm listening. 
what name another East Coast state? Massachusetts. Dude, there's two there's literally three cities on the East Coast. It's Philly, <laughs> New, New York, and Boston. Rhode Island. Like, See what I mean? You fucking, you fucking elitists. <laughs> and I don't even like those states. They're all a bunch of goddamn elitists. <laughs> Jersey and everything, East Coast. Everything west of Philly is the Midwest. That's fucking insane. Uh, if you guys had any idea how insane that sounds. You know how I used to qualify north and south? So like <laughs> I, I'm afraid to ask. But there was no. a line where if I thought that, you know, some towns might be more racist than others. <laughs> okay, that's actually pretty reasonable. That was the South, okay? So no, when you no, say no. Virginia, yes, that's the South. No, that's actually that's actually pretty reasonable. <laughs> Although I would I would feel like like West Virginia would be worse off. Oh uh, yeah, dude. That's Midwest though. Like <laughs> hey, that's a whole nother calculation. Right, right, okay. Yeah, you gotta understand. Okay, but like, that's just pure. I see. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm I'm trying to follow. Um, another Did I big. I see like I saw yeah. I saw like a poker news article by Conrad. That was really too. Did you guys talk about that? We didn't actually. Uh, why did we gloss over that? When when did that come out? I feel like that came out last Friday. Like, whenever no, all the was shit like was going down. I thought it was a couple days ago actually. The WPT article that came out on you was that uh, Friday? It had to have been because I think I, I remember like retweeting it in the morning and being like, all right, I'm going to sit out Twitter today. I'm going to go play my nice little game downstairs and be good about it. And then all of a sudden I got bored <laughs> and I'm like, man, we're playing fucking nine handed 2550. What's Perlot up to? Let <laughs> me see what this motherfucker's tweeting. Yeah, that was the same day. Yeah, definitely. Getting into Christian's heritage and, and ethnicity for the entire day. Those are those are the conversations I live for. Personally. I really I really try to stay out of it, but I, I felt like you were getting an unfair shake. So like I, I tried to jump in a little bit. I, I mean I appreciate that. Obviously, uh we've had these conversations a million times over and I found it incredibly hilarious. Yeah. At how hard we've argued in the past about this and how quickly uh publicly you're just kinda like, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess maybe I could you know, not be Spanish for the day. <laughs> I mean, I understand that. I mean, the thing is, like, I've never done a 23 in me. I assume. Well, it doesn't matter that, is the point. That, like, I'm mixed with a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah, like, we all are. That's that's the whole so, point. It That's the whole point. It doesn't matter, right? Like, if he suddenly started telling Conrad that he's white because he's Norwegian or of Norwegian descent. Yeah. That's not really fair whenever, you know, the world doesn't necessarily see him that way. It's not Prahlad's decision to make. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I get you. But shout out to Poker Face Ash, though. Yeah, nice win. Uh, also, big shout out to uh, WPT. They have fully announced now the date for the WPT championship coming back to the win. Um, let me see. Did you watch the hype video? I one did. The, it's actually best, really good. One of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, it's actually pretty flat. Guapo has it. You can play it now.
So this is no joke this year. Uh, obviously, they're... I think they put the guarantee on it again. Uh, I, I just um, looked through the press release really quickly, but it honestly doesn't even matter. They, they crushed the guarantee by so much that it wouldn't matter whether it has a guarantee or not, it's going to smash. Um, but the biggest thing that I noted was that this isn't just the main event anymore. They're not just talking about like, you know, oh, we have this 10K buy-in, 15 million guarantee, yada, yada, yada. This is 28 days of a festival. I mean, this is winter WSOP to a certain degree. I'm pretty sure that there were, there weren't that many events that were um, said. I think there were only five. Yeah, I mean, obviously they didn't announce it, but the dates are November 29th to the 23rd of December. So this goes all the way until Christmas Eve almost. So 24 days, sorry, uh, or 25 days, I guess. Um, so nearly four straight weeks of what I assume to be an action-packed festival. I imagine that we're going to see uh, a lot of prelims get announced sooner yeah, than later. That makes a lot of sense. Right? I mean, uh, this past one, what did it have? Like maybe 10 events attached to it? I didn't play that many. I was pretty... I played... I played four. four. I played four. I also Halo played five, four. five, five. Mystery Bounty, too. So I played five, and I know that the, I didn't play the 3K PKO, the Tag Team Double Board Bomb Pot, or the... That's it. Okay, so there was like maybe seven to ten regular events and then some high rollers mixed in. Yeah. But like, you know, with, with 24 days uh, where a week is dedicated to the main, they're going to be able to fill this with a lot of fucking prelims. Because the thing with high rollers are... They can run those coinciding with other events. They don't take up that many. They don't take up that much space, mm -hmm. and you know you're gonna have maybe ten thousand people in town for the main event to play. So like you're gonna want to give them a bunch of options. Yeah, um, I know. When I was look, I saw the schedule somewhere, and now I can't find it, of course. But I know it starts off with the seniors event, mm -hmm. and then I think it is the one k, then mystery bounty. So I'm not sure exactly where they're going to put, like, I guess the prelims, I don't, I, I think those are going to be the prelims, honestly. And they might just add a couple more tournaments. I don't think it's going to be a, as big as we want exactly. They're, they're going to have the, that prime event again, I assume, which was yeah. a massive success. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see some like six max. That would be kind of cool. Maybe like a 5k six max, throw that in there. It'd be kind of nice to... I mean, the, the whole thing that I really enjoy is that they're actually there's actually something that competes with WSOP now, and yep. that's really nice because it's in the winter, and it's also like WPT just runs a very flawless ship. Like it seems like they just get most of the things right, and I, I'm glad to see them succeed. So I do want to see how big this Prime thing gets because it was huge last time. They're in Cambodia right now. Uh, I saw that Nimi and Brad Owen were out there. There was a, a shot of them playing the stand-up game at the meetup in, uh, in Cambodia, which I think Ginge is there as well. It must be pretty close uh, to where he's staying these days. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see like, what kind of turnout. I guess that's their, their rival to the circuit, from what I can tell. Um, at least from a buy-in standpoint, right? It's like 1,600-ish? It's uh, 1,100, I believe. Okay, yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't seen any ran on this side. Of the world yeah it does seem like it's like more worldwide right it's only on been like pretty yeah. sharp it's a good way to get into a bunch of new markets yeah i mean 
It looked pretty. It looked like it was getting a good turnout. Yeah, I'm looking at the. They don't have the full schedule up for December, but the main runs from the 12th to the 18th. Yeah. So that means there's five days of post limbs after so, it ends. I'm looking at something. It says seniors event is from December 6th to the 8th. The mystery bounty is going to be the 18th to the 21st, and WPT Prime will be the 16th to the 18th, and the uh, I'm sorry, 7th to the 12th, and the ladies' event is the 16th to the 18th. Yeah, I, I would imagine we're going to see a lot more uh, fill in here, especially if they plan on running it all the way to the 23rd. There's five days now after the main event to fill uh, the, the gap. There's also 14 days prior to the main event starting. No, they're, they're going to fill this by a lot of turns. Like, this is similar yeah. to when WSOP launches their main tournaments, you know, so that you can schedule things around Right, right, exactly. And then, exactly. They, and then they fill in uh, around that. But yeah, yeah I, this is going to be a huge thing. I imagine they'll run it, or I imagine they'll just like turn it over to the win staff and just say like, yo, fill in these prelims, man. Uh, just like run your series like it's the win millions or whatever. That makes sense. Right? I, 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 I would wager we see like a 3,500 placed in there with a couple million guarantee slapped to it. Uh, that gets pretty big. I would imagine there's going to be a bunch of 1Ks, 1500s, like those, you know, the sweet spot for the win. Yeah. Right? Like the sub 10Ks. And then I imagine there will be like a full high roller schedule somewhere in the neighborhood of like three to five events. Was there, I don't remember if there was anything. There was at least one 25K that Rampage won, but I think there were multiple. Oh, yeah. Um, but they, they're, they're pretty incentivized, assuming that they uh, account for the PGT to have something there mm -hmm. because those are the last events of the year so if the pgt is if that race is close uh and poker goes at all aligned with this they're going to want to uh put some sort of high roller schedule together i would yeah. imagine yeah, make it make it fun all right get some sweats in love the sweats sweaty sweats from that guy what guy <laughs> jeff platt from poker go oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can we get cuz in the fucking Well talking about like PGT and stuff, like what were your guys' thoughts on uh Ali getting like perma banned from the lodge preemptively? Oh, is I'ma steal your bitch? No, Ali. Ali Nasterbasturbich. Yeah, I'ma steal your bitch. Is that his name? That's his last name. I'ma steal your bitch. Like he oh, was gonna go to I the see. fucking lodge anyway. Yeah. Uh I, I thought Doug's video was fine. Uh I guess it's good to see him making content again. Um obviously like preemptively banning Ali is just kind of a meme at this point. Okay. Uh you know, he's banned from here too. Won't have him on poker out loud. Just want to get that out there for the public. You you guys can understand we're safe here. <laughs> <laughs> um but that aside, I thought that Doug misstepped a little bit in doubling down and vouching, like hard vouching for Hustler. Uh, I thought that he probably didn't face enough scrutiny the first time where they said they like let him tour their facilities and he came back and said like, you know, this is a tightly ran ship. And then they put out the report later and the report's like, okay, well, here's like, you know, a dozen things that you need to change that were all, uh, you know, very poorly secure and cheating technically could have occurred through these things it's like okay well that's not a great look for you doug because you clearly don't know what the fuck you're looking for and you're running a live stream so it's pretty important that uh you know the ins and outs of the back of the house um so for like him to double down just kind of sight unseen and trusting that like all the changes were made in a sweeping fashion seems really silly but i you know i guess that they just have a working relationship and he's trying to keep up uh appearances which you know whatever I don't really care. Uh, I just think that it's silly to 
I think it's silly to hard vouch for things that are outside of your control. Like you have to have a really, really, really high degree of confidence in and trust in the person that you are, are hard vouching for. Um, but, you know, you know the way it goes. No one gives a shit. The whole fucking place could burn down tomorrow. No one's gonna, oh, or maybe, maybe we have another coin flex situation in our hands where they're like, hey, motherfucker. This is, again, you're hard vouching for something that, uh, you know, is not necessarily in good faith. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say one more thing. No, never mind. Uh, I thought I had one more thing to talk about with WPT, but I can't find it. So let's get into some strat talk. Uh I'm kind of sad Landon's not here for this one because we just have three live guys. So our takes are going to be a bit different. Actually, um, this podcast cost me, well, actually, it might have saved me money. Go I on. was trying to, I was trying to, like, there was a, there was a, there was one time I was here and I was uh, playing online in the background and I was like, oh, I'm playing, yeah, I'm just like playing online or whatever while I was, while we were doing the podcast. And then I was trying to get some action, like, similar to, the Lynn G bet where yeah, she yeah. had to play like a hundred thousand hands or something or or on two hundred. I think I think hers is like thirty thousand, but yeah. So I was like hitting up the same people and I was like, hey, like uh I would like I would like that bet. You know? Um I think I'm a dog, just like Lynn. And <laughs> and they were like, No, you were playing online while you were on a podcast. I was like, What? What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Who and the fuck like, thinks you're a dog at this? I am a dude. These guys are fucking good. They're using GTO Wizard and shit. Like uh, I heard, they're using uh, didn't you do like a whole podcast that they're they're using GTO Wizard, no delay or whatever. How the hell can I win? What are you I even mean, saying? I mean, shit come is, on, man. Dude, come these on. guys are all. Every single name is from a foreign Eastern European country. I mean, you're definitely getting uh, botted to some degree, but you know, uh, you just you, you just I'm need. Getting, to, you need to figure out what, what their, what their uh, algorithmic approach is. You know, what's their nah. single size strat? Nah, bro. I, 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 I would like the action, and I can't believe that this podcast saved me that much money, dude. Mm. That, was, that was... I just wanted the action just to challenge myself. I remember when everybody was calling out Charlie Carroll saying he couldn't beat 500 Zoom. Uh, and you know, they were making a big meme of it. And then like, I kind of got thrown into it of like, there's no way this guy would win at the 500 zoom, yada, yada, yada. And then Charlie was just like, all right, I want to, I want to like cross book 10,000% or something like that, or like make a 50 K side bet one-to-one and everybody just fucking went quiet. It's like, I don't get it. Like nah, he's not, those people seem not, tough. People, he's not as bad as people think he is, man. I watched a couple of his stuff. Like he looks like he's pretty good. Um, and people don't sit him. Like you know, he'll sit. Let's say like high stakes. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know what people consider high stakes. But let's say twenty five fifty online. And people, people don't just like fill the table. Like they'll play three handed, four handed, but the table just doesn't snap sit. You know, so that says something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't want to do a volume challenge. I've never never put in volume like that. Uh, and I think I would burn out very quickly, especially since I would have to leave Nevada to, to fulfill it. But, um, you know, it seems like it would be very hard to win if you're That's not... That's what I was thinking. Well, if, you're not, if you're not, like, super sharp in, in those streets. Dude, 200 ACR is fucking hard, man. Lynn lost 
She was losing like 30 big blinds for 100. She wins in these live games, the same games I like shot take at. You're like, the fucking worst used car salesman in the history. The fucking like, you're just worst. the worst marketer. I've like you can't even keep a straight face when you're saying this shit. It's incredible, dude. I played like ten thousand hands, barely breaking even. Shut the fuck up. It is insane, bro. These guys are fucking <laughs> botting and and cheating and everything. I'm here raw dogging it. <laughs> Somebody else just got raw dogged. He's oh, walking man. in the building right now. Wow, he stopped himself. Good job, Mister Mister Tortoise. Tortoise. How here. long? How I'm long here. did you hold on to those four blinds for? Uh, I tried. <laughs> I thought I could. I thought I could last like two or three more levels with those four blinds, but uh, they finally got you. They got me. Well, I played one hand. I got. I was like, you know, the uh, the the button draws pretty important yeah how'd you do there i drew under the gun wow <laughs> but i got king jack so okay it went in call small blind called button folded which or big blind folded which was nice thank you thank you and then um the guy called um at sevens wow scam yeah came nine high nine eight five he bet Eric, i folded Mm, turn, nice turn, little protection. Yeah, I was like, oh, nice. Got sevens. Turn seven. Go ahead, you know, out, drop out, and out to ten. Yeah. King on the river. Wow, we're all heartbroken for you, kid. You know, we'll get him on the next one. Yeah. What's the next one? Uh, 1100. 500K win on Saturday. That one seems more important to win. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, nice cash, buddy. Thanks, man. Good job. I was in for two bullets, so I profited 58 bucks. Okay. <laughs> the fucking life of a tournament grinder. I don't know how you guys do it, man. Ah, so much fun. Is it though? It really is. <laughs> it really is. You know, I was like less well like this one, you, you come into day two, you have no expectations. Like I was more disappointed the six hundred dollar when I finished twenty seventh and then the Oh yeah. I mean I saw an MTT taste it. I'm sure MTT reg playing cast the other night. Yeah. And I turned to him, I was like, What are you doing here? Is this it was like don't you play MTTs for a living? He's like, yeah, I'm miserable. <laughs> Dude, I was it dead. It was a two-hour hand-for-hand bubble last night. That's wild. Two hours. It's a $400 event, man. Dude, well, it, 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 it didn't matter. The, the first nine all-ins, the short stack won. Wait, you mm. said hand-for-hand, so two people out of the money or one? One. My one out God. of the money. Two hours. We didn't get done until 2 o'clock. Yeah, it was crazy. The first nine, like, and there was like some of them were like multi ways because people were yeah, really yeah, short. Yeah. Do you? What do you? That's think? unlucky. That what happened you, like, uh, LAPC one year. Good. What do you think about like um, taking out the hundred hundred levels in the beginning of tournaments? I think it's a great idea. Hundred, yeah. two hundred, and just start at hundred, two hundred, two hundred. Well, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is the effect of starting stack. But it's also like it, we start, we end earlier in the night. Like if that happens, not necessarily. You can just start with fewer chips. Yeah. Right. Like if you're taking out 100, 100 to start at one, two, um, but you're still starting with, you know, call it 200 big blinds, it, it should still end at the same time. Yeah. I, it might, but you might be shorter. I don't know how that would work with the way how the blinds go up and then stacks according to the blinds. Like, I, I don't know if it's like a one to one coordination correlation. Mm, it should be. I mean, you know, there's no reason why it wouldn't, if, you know, if all things are equal, right? Like if it's, Two, 20k starting stacks at 1-1 one, one versus 30k starting stacks or sorry 40k starting stacks at 1-2 uh, but because the blinds double the first the first 
level, right? Where they don't double thereafter. Thereafter, yeah. so it might be different. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of fast, early, slow, late. Yeah. So like, I it's hard to do because of the reentry aspect. Um, unless you have like a slowish middle, but I'm all for starting with a hundred bigs, 150 bigs. Yeah, you know, we talked about this earlier last week. Uh, you just don't play that deep at any other point in the entire tournament. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, what are we doing? Yeah. It's, you can max late red just when you get 20. That's, I would never play a fucking hand prior I, to max. late. I, I, well, I, I saw that. I was like, man, I should, I was like, Hey, I, I get it now. Hey, yeah, I mean it's seven thirty. Stars does this with EPT. Yeah, uh, it's really great, really great. You come in max late red, you're between twenty and twenty five blinds, and it's it's actually pretty smart because uh, so much of the stars player pool traveling to these EPTs are really sharp online kids. So like you have this mass influx of really great players who are all kind of handicapping themselves a little bit. They come in late, um, so like they're increasing their ROI or. No, sorry, they're increasing their EV while somewhat limiting their ROI. Uh, and it's nice for all the live guys who are just like traveling these stops that are like, well, I want to be here, you know, from hand one so I can play with the recreationals who showed up to have a good experience. And, you know, I'll try I to call you weak. I, I call, call you weak. Bro, that was, what an exchange, man. <laughs> what an exchange. I call you weak for now on, boy. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. For a while, uh, sir, for a while sir. I call you weak. Sir, I understand, sir. <laughs> <laughs> when do you think a while ends? Uh, when he shows him aces enough times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think like, a while is the end of time. Yeah, I think so too. Till he's, he's out of the tournament. Anybody that looks like that kid is going to call for the, the I, end of the time. Chin, you still playing with these types types of guys out there? Chin's just here? Having a good, yeah, he, someone had to fill in for you, man. Hey, we're, Chin. we're talking strat today. What up, dog? What's up? How you been? Congrats, congrats on the cash. Unlucky. Thanks, Thanks man. Under the gun, but it's okay. That's yeah, all right. You know, we got more buy-ins for the next one. That's that's the spirit. Dude. Yeah, I like that. I like those pants, dude. They look smooth. These thanks. They're nice and comfortable. We're all just so happy when people in those chairs wear pants. I always wear pants. I know, but, but I mean, that's gonna end because it's gonna get real hot here coming months, and I have to put shorts on. Oh, sure. Maybe I'll get a tan. I'll you're, turn you're the not, heat off. You're not neon white, so it's okay. I'm pretty white. I mean, not neon. Not neon. Not white. neon. I'm not Landon white. <laughs> yeah. You're like Northern Italy white. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Get that, draw a little of that Sicilian out of you. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not, I call it Brezze. Oh, my what? apologies. Isn't that like a sandwich? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a Calabrese sandwich out there somewhere, but no, it's a region of Italy in, in the south. Isn't that a so cured the, meat? <laughs> oh, I could go for some cured meat. Oh, man, we can't stay on topic. All right, so uh, <laughs> getting to strategy discussion today. Uh, we add another live guy, so we'll continue talking about this. But um, I'm I, super I, live guy, dude. That's why I, I, I still are. don't know why I didn't get that action. Me either, man. You know what? Here, I'll campaign for you. You guys should be laying Christian a price to. Actually, you know what? I won't campaign for you because this <laughs> is a big fucking waste of your time. You, okay, you grinding out a hundred thousand hands online at fucking one dollar, two dollar is stupid, to say the least. What's uh, the bet? He wants, he, wa he wants to get the, the Lin action. Uh, what was she getting late? I don't know. I don't even think she was getting late anything. Nah, she had I to think be getting she, a price. I think, I think she had like a $10,000 side bet or something. She did, but she had to be getting a price, no? I don't know what it was, but I just wanted to do it for the challenge. I honestly don't even think I'm a favorite, to be honest. Oh, like, okay. I, know it's, I know, but yeah, I just wanted to see if I could actually do it. 
one but anyway, let's, let's, let's get back. Let's get back to she the. Lose? Yeah, she. I she, think she, she. I think she lost pretty bad. She got yeah. mopped. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you just do a fitness challenge instead. I just started seventy-five hard again. I heard. I heard you doing like a halfway seventy-five hard. Not ha well. I I just changed the reading to audiobook because I learned better that way, and uh, I changed. Or I basically made an exception where if I don't get out an outside workout in, I can sauna instead. Sauna's fucking hard, man. You know? Hard to sit. Saunas hard. are hard. I just got this thing that you've been wearing for fucking 10 years. Oh, you got the whoop? Yeah. Melissa got one too. I'm, we're going to... We're going to add you into your, the group. I'm not joining your group. No, I just said I'm not joining your <laughs> she group. She said the same thing. We, nah, <laughs> see, you say that. You say that, but like the first six days of her wearing the whoop was texting the group her fucking metrics every single day going, this thing's broken. My recovery is like six. <laughs> yeah, I saw her post it. it was, she was posting it every day. Well, you gotta, it you takes gotta, a couple days for her to even know who you are, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we try telling her. Now she's at like 99% because she sleeps fucking 18 hours a day. <laughs> Her and Rudy are the same person. <laughs> it does help you get more sleep though, because you really do see how bad your sleep is in general. Yeah. You know? I if I've managed to become uh, somewhat proficient at anything in my life, it's for sure sleep. Yeah. I am a really, really good sleeper. I'm really in that ninetieth percentile most of the time. Um, anyway, right, let's get to the strategy. Strat chat. People want to hear about this uh, yeah. shit. Yet. So I wanted to talk about sizing specifically uh, with a lean on preflop because um, we've been getting a lot of questions in our Discord with regards to how do preflop ranges change in live environments where it's ten it tends to go multi-way and the sizings tend to be b bigger. Um, and I feel like I've been somewhat dismissive of this question in the past where it's just kind of like, hey, figure it out. Like we don't we don't really have uh, great metrics in how to solve for this, but. I I noticed myself uh, kind of paying closer attention to sizings when we're playing live at the bike where stacks are A, very deep, um, but B, very livey, right? And I don't mean the opening size. Most everybody opens the 3X and we're playing, you know, at least two blinds in an ante, oftentimes three blinds in an ante. So 3X seems like it's relatively appropriate. But the three bet sizings are so fucking massive. And then on top of that, whenever you start to play the, um, the stand-up game with any level of frequency, you notice that the most common adjustment people make is to start sizing way up pre. So opening like 5 to 8x in hopes of just stealing the blinds and fading the, the bounty tax. Um, so I realized that like, as I found myself getting annoyed when I face a 25 big blind squeeze and I have Jack nine suited <laughs> that, you know, maybe this is a discussion worth diving into a little bit deeper. Uh, and it, it reminded me of that time where, uh, we were playing or I was playing on uh, poker go and I was opening like five X in spite of, uh, the stakes being relatively high. I think we were playing three, six. No, I think we were playing two, four. Yeah, I think we were playing 2-4 and I was opening to like 1,600. <laughs> and Rass made a comment of like, oh, that's awfully big. And I was like, I don't care if we're playing $1, $2, or 200 400 I'm opening to 1,600. Because we were all super deep. We were all sitting like 200,000 deep. Um, and, you know, his response to that was like, oh, I'll just start folding more. And that does seem like the natural response, but like, it's just, it, it just can't be, right? 
like we were playing 2550 uh last friday and i had ishan to my left who was just squeezing at least an appropriate amount if not too often and choosing massive sizes so we go like 150 open call and he'd make it 2k but we're like you know 80,000 60,000 effective so it's like what's the proper adjustment here when these large sizes come through and how big of a mistake if at all is it for them to be choosing these large sizes right because uh, the first thing that we should analyze is, is it a mistake for them to choose these large sizes whenever you're playing a thousand big blinds effective? I guess I'm just asking in general. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I only know tournament charts. Sure. Well, it's not about the charts, right? It, no, I know. It's more so yeah. about like uh, how the it's, range is constructed. Yeah, and I... I your environment has to like matter, right? Like how people are going to respond to these massive bets. Well, it really comes down to what's the purpose of the squeeze, right? So uh, if you if you look at theoretical ranges, whenever you're talking about just simple preflop constructions, um, generally at you know solvable stack depths, call it like 200 or less, squeezes will naturally bloat the pot and lower the SPR. So the way that those hands or the way those ranges are generally constructed is uh somewhat linear and uh pretty dense to strong hands because whenever you move forward post with a lower spr you want to be able to play for stacks right it just benefits the out of position players particularly which is where squeezes will tend to come from so this lower spr with relatively good hands is a recipe for just being able to get stacks in pretty comfortably but it begins to change a lot now if you're like a thousand big blinds deep because you can't really lower the SPR enough, right? So even if you put in 20 big blinds, you're only committing 2% of your stack when it's all said and done. And now you have to move forward with this problem set of still being, you know, 25 SPR and having hands, so to speak, right? So it's like, what's the difference then between going 25 blinds pre versus like a more standard normal size of call it 12 big blinds pre or 15 big blinds pre right because in both instances you're going to arrive at the flop at a massive spr and the only thing that we should really focus on then is number one the fold the immediate fold equity right so do we get more folds if we make it 25 blinds versus 15 uh and if the answer is yes do we also face more four bets Right, because so good. You you were playing twenty five fifty. Yeah, and he was making a two thousand. Yeah, so he was squeezing to forty big blinds. Yeah, that okay. Um, <laughs> to be fair, the opening was usually like two hundred. So we go like two hundred calls. Yeah, that's four x call, and then forty. Yeah. Okay, I mean, you just, like, fold all day long, and then you just, like, four bet, and then call with, like, queens. Yeah. And ace-queen suited, and ace-king offsuit. No, yeah, yeah, of course. Really you, the, the easiest adjustment would be to just, like, have a very tight range, right? Um, but You just four bet, ace-jack suited, ace-ten suited. And yeah. I, yeah, look, I, I, I think it's, like, completely reasonable. Um, 
I guess the reason why I bring it up is because live is so so entrenched in the meta. We only got to play 130 hands, right? Yeah, but he's not from that that back that. He's not from that. Mm, no, but he kind of gets after it. He shows up yeah, with like the hands. He gets that... after it with three bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Right. That's because that's what he. That's what. That's his background. Yeah. So he's going to be using. I assume when he's going forty, he's using somewhat polarized ranges. Right? Probably. Uh, I guess the question that I'm asking though is like, isn't position worth enough to fuck with him? Not. I, I don't want to say him. Like this isn't an Ishan problem. This is an environmental problem. It wasn't just him. Masada was also squeezing very large. Um, I eventually started to adjust and squeeze larger because uh, it just seemed like I could get more value from my hands that way. Right. It's super smart if the environment doesn't four bet and they just call with hands that they just are inelastic to the size. So if you're just not right. folding queen jack suited to the 40 big blind three bet, then 40 big blind three bet is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. because people just don't want to fold queen jack suited because queen jack suited is a really pretty looking hand. And like, yeah, it's funny. I, I found myself in spots where like uh, I was passing on like I would three bet hands from the button that I knew could never defend versus squeeze. And then I started to like call similar hands like Queen Jack suited. Like there was a spot where I, I called it, it was it was basically the formation of Johnny opening me calling button and then Masato either peeling small blind or folding uh, with with Ishan in the in the big and oftentimes finding the squeeze. So I found myself like calling linear hands and then uh, planning to do so to have, you know, a completed range whenever I face a squeeze. I didn't want to just have pairs and, like, suited yeah. aces, you know? Mm -hmm. But then I find myself facing this massive squeeze with, like, jack-9 suited, jack-10 suited, something like that. And I'm just like, this still feels pretty fucking bad, man. Just got to flat with ace-k, bro. Yeah. I mean, you can. You don't get ace-king that much, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, there's 16 combinations of them. What are you talking about? You get them more than you get well, jack-9 suited. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, but we get hands in the class of Jack yeah, Natsuda a lot more. I know more. what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, but the, the, remember, we're talking about a very isolated scenario here in the Live at the Bike spot where it's a specific formation that we can make in-game adjustments for and try to, like, you know, potentially have some traps there or you know, uh, some back four bets or, or whatever the case may be. But that's not what our audience is accustomed to. If we're looking at a 1-3 game, and granted, the squeezes don't come through nearly the same frequency, but if we're looking at a 1-3 game, it's going to go like $10 open, call, 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 squeeze to yeah. like 50 Yeah, yeah, fold. Right? Fold everything. <laughs> fold rage. Okay, fair. <laughs> Just fold. If you're calling a $50 squeeze at 1-3 with less than queens, you're losing money. How about that? That's it. <laughs> that is true. I think that's true. I mean, yeah, that might be true. That actually my might call, be true. My call range is ace king, queens plus. Mm -hmm. So what do we do then? Or I, I guess like from our strategic standpoint, because I think there are a lot of good players who would say, uh, that's fine if the environment's doing that. I'm going to stick to a min-raise strat and I'm going to three-bet small and I'm going to do like you know, all of the things that I've been trained into doing through an online environment. Do you think that we, from that vantage point, should adjust then into the larger sizings and utilize that strategy ourselves, Or do you think Lar that... Good. Yeah, larger sizing is kind of sharp now that I think about it because people are just not going to fold Queen Jack Suda to a fucking squeeze in a, in a stream game because they're going to be called super nits. And 
whatever in the chat. So you're you're squeezing like pretty large with a linear range that like dominates all these hands that are not gonna fold on stream is actually like pretty sharp. Like if you squeezed king queen suited, ace queen suited for like this large size, people are just not gonna fold jack ten suited, pocket nines, and all these hands that are like somewhat indifferent versus three bets in like tight range spots. Yeah, so, I think that's only true at depth though. Because I did notice that, uh, like, when we played the very big game versus persons, um, he was obviously squeezing way too liberally, and for an obnoxious yeah. size, right? Like, I yeah. think we yeah, at yeah, the yeah. time. I think at the time we were playing like one, two, four. Opens would go to like one k, and there'd be like a call uh, or something of that effect, and he would just make it like twelve thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does that. That's true. Right. So, like, something absurd like that. Uh, there was a particular hand where I think the four hundred was on. Uh, and or maybe the maybe the 800 was on I think the 800 was on so we were like 200k effective the 800 was on uh, so like 250 bigs deep and uh, somebody opened to like 2k I flatted cut off her button with nines and persons just makes it 30,000 okay oh, how I, deep were you super deep like 200k just stick it in bro you can't stick it in I mean, you can't put in 250 bigs pre. You just can't. Not with nines. I mean, sure, but like, you know, you just can't. Yeah, I mean, just have 20 million behind you. Just stick it, it in. Even with 20 million, it's like, <laughs> that just becomes so fucking dicey. But his range is like literally like jack four offsuit. And well, he ended that, up having no, jack eight suited. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No, like yeah. he does is like, if he's in the big blind, like he's squeezing fucking king six off. Like yeah, back, yeah. I mean, that's the how the big—that's like, how the big hand generated uh, between him and Andy, the million-dollar hand. Um, someone opened Andy three bet, or maybe Andy didn't three bet. Maybe he called. I called sevens from the small blind. Big blind completed. Person squeezed jack four, massive, and got yeah. called in four spots. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Right. Uh, and, then, yeah, and, then, and then Andy had like a set of tens. He just flop stop set on like ten nine x. I actually um, think you're performing like somewhat well against that person's specific squeeze range, but like. Perhaps, perhaps, but I guess the but whole. That's not, but that's not the whole well, the topic, right? Like, right. That's the, one person, right? The, yeah. the topic I'm trying to isolate is how uh, how depth matters in accordance to how you particularly select your range and how aware of that you need to be within your environment, right? Because like the common one, three, two, five, uh, the the average stack is going to be between 100 and 200 big blinds, right? Mm -hmm. So people need to very qu quickly understand why hands become unplayable and it's not because of the quality of the hand it's because of the inability to realize the equity right if somebody opens for 4x and gets called and you look at a hand like queen jack suited if you do anything other than three better fold you're almost never going to realize the equity of this hand right because one of two things is going to happen either you're going to ultimately end up going six ways by calling and allowing more calls to come in behind you or you're going to uh run into a situation where someone behind you wakes up with a hand that maybe they would have folded had you three bet, but now turn into a squeeze. So like maybe ace jack off wakes up behind you or even ace queen off in the one three environment where had you just three bet that spot yourself and taken the lead, those hands are going to be in a ridiculously difficult spot. Probably aren't going to find the four bet because at those stakes, four bets don't really come through without nuts. And they're just ultimately going to find a fold. Whereas whenever you call, now they have a pretty premier spot to just squeeze. And that squeeze is going to be very, very large, right? The pot's already large. The SPR is already low. They're just going to set it up to a point where, you know, they're risking uh, a quarter of their stack to basically scoop all the money that's out there. Yeah, it seems like 
you'd almost want to play exclusively a three bet fold kind of strat in those kind of games, right? Like, like what, what type of hands would you want to flat? Well, it's <sighs> pairs. You can't, you, I, I can't, guess, you can't really just have three bet or fold in these games. Like agreed. Cause you're, because you're just uh first of all, it's like big blind Annie plus straddle. So like, Oh, okay. we're, we're talking, okay. no, 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 we're no. talking more like two, five, one, three. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah, like the oh. right, the the, the kind yeah, of games just, where it's like, as soon as you flat, oh. you're you're just going like five ways. You know what I mean? Okay, like, so then we need to pick like a side that we're talking because Berkey's talking about live at the bike, and I'm thinking it's like no, he well, not like the specific. Yeah, but I think he, you switched over to. Yeah, I'm saying uh, right. live, live yeah, at the bike is the example of that. Let's right. let's talk more like five ten because like no one's squeeze at one three if someone squeezes just fold man like honestly like but what the about you, you but what about like you as the not not like someone else squeezing but like what how should you approach that shouldn't you be squeezing more at one uh, three yeah yeah because no one's four betting you so just squeeze right. a bunch and then yeah. check back to flop because like they have jacks and then just like. Mm -hmm. When they check twice, you bet the turn. That's it. Nice. I mean, you know. I'm playing one oh, two. Ahead, guys. I'm playing one Win two tomorrow. Money, Red yeah, Rock. So I need to know. I need to know <laughs> this strat, right? Yeah, I mean, you should just three bet a lot. I mean, the the thing is that you're gonna get a lot of spots in these games where people are flatting, and they're flatting like pretty strong ranges because they don't three bet themselves. So like you'll you'll see flats with like tens, and you'll see flats with like ace queen and and things like this. So when you squeeze with you're going to be like dominated yourself when you get called uh behind like when you get called mm -hmm. uh from the field but then you just have to like hope that they don't hit and then well i think i think for that reason when you're the three better you should be sizing down right because the pot's already large and the spr is already going to be shrunken and if you're going to force them into the upper limitations of their already linear range you kind of set yourself up for a negative free roll right now your squeeze doesn't work nearly as well as it could and i'm obviously you were never, you were never generating a fold the, the, the right, thing is right that's my point right. if you're not generating a fold then you'd you'd want to be three betting more more liberally right so you want to go smaller so you want to go smaller keep this, the spr higher you want to keep the spr as high as possible when you're in position yeah so that you can play multiple streets and can here's the thing that we uh -huh. understand about these environments in general like they're going to find a lot of overfolds Right, because they don't understand how to compartmentalize like bluff catchers versus value versus bluffs versus give ups. And when that's the case, you want to be able to position yourself to win the pot in more than one way. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't I don't I don't agree with that. Go on. Because when you three bet it is small, you're gonna go three ways to the flop. And then how are you gonna like you're gonna run multi wave three bet pot bluffs? Well, you're gonna have the option to, but the point is that you'll have position. Yeah, I'm pretty much gonna go to the same yeah, but you have position with hands. Rate, no like, you, you're right. You have position, but you're you're free betting. You're gonna have two ranges that are like likely dominating you, and even though you have position, you're up, you're in a three way three bet pot. Like you're not gonna take this pot away from them. The whether pot's rather protected. Whether it's thirty five or fifty, the same hand is gonna call. Like there's you're saying price wise. Yeah, like it's gonna go multi way either. If that hand wants to call low stakes, it's gonna call. I don't think it's. I think I think both of you have valid points. So I think Conrad's point is that the bottom will still exist, whether you go small or large, and that's going to be like a lot of the pocket pairs, suited connectors, suited aces that you're going to miss and just give up. And I think Christian's point is very valid in the sense that they're going to be a little bit more protected in having hands like tens, maybe jacks, maybe ace queens that uh, once they arrive at the flop should be rather strong hands. The overall point that I'm trying to make that kind of hits the center of that 
is that generally speaking, weaker opponents don't know how to continue with any portions of those ranges, right? So if you give a guy pocket deuces and ace queen and take him to a nine high flop, both of them fold too often. And, you know, some of them continue incorrectly, right? Like there's, uh, there, there are certain people who will be sticky with deuces because they're a pair and can still make a set. And then there will other pe be people who like understand that ace queen just has some uh, showdown value as they arrive post and should be calling uh, versus some barrels. But the, the point that I'm trying to arrive at is if we go large with our three bet range, now we have to three bet very tightly. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I think that like prints a bunch of money. Like, it does, oh yeah, but, yeah. That, that does like, for sure. What happens, what happens in these games and it happens also at high stakes is that people don't fold hands that are breaking even ever they just don't fold it like so all these hands that are like you know supposed to sometimes fold like sevens and jack you're saying they, they pre just, yeah, yeah yeah they just yeah. don't fold they yeah just, no they i just, agree with they, that they just never fold so all these like top linear hands that you three bet for quote unquote value or whatever you want to call it they just make a bunch of money because they're just like up against hands that are supposed to be there sometimes but at these games are in there all the time yeah. So you they just have a, a a huge concentration of hands that are just dominated by your linear range. This is why, like at low stakes, be, being a nit makes a lot of money. Like yeah, it's just I agree with that how too. it works. I I agree with that too. Uh, I guess I guess my pushback is that the environment is so weak that I don't think we're incentivized to play, or maybe incentivized isn't the right word. Uh, I think that good players are capable of upping their V pip. So now it becomes you are, a, you are yeah you are by opening opening a lot of hands yeah oh shit it just got dark um opening a lot of, you should open a lot of hands and you should attack like late position spots where like someone opens the cutoff and you three bet the button and you, someone opens the high track and you three bet the cutoff where you're likely to go heads up and not necessarily attack spots where like it goes like early position open in a call and you just have like jack ten suited and you squeeze there you're just gonna get called by ace jack offsuit and fucking king jacks suited like because they're never folding it yeah. so you're just gonna you're just running into bad spots and then you're gonna try to take it away in a three-way three-bit pie you're gonna stack yourself well <laughs> i don't know that, that's, <laughs> that's 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 a little I, bit counterintuitive <laughs> you're, you're basically saying that they have too many hands and that, that somehow fucks us they have too many hands that if you squeeze the bottom of your linear range in these games like it's like okay you know how you know how you're in the big blind mm. and you're supposed to sometimes three bet like Jack nine offsuit like a quarter of the time versus yeah, yeah. okay that's really bad if the guy doesn't fold king nine offsuit ever or ja or jack ten offsuit like you three betting jack nine offsuit in the big blind is trying to generate folds from jack ten offsuit of course but if the guy doesn't fold then your three bet is dumb like yeah I agree with th I, I agree with that uh, I I would never advocate for those types of hand classes but I'm saying that there are hands that we would deem to be playable that may look attractive to flat that could potentially just easily shift into a three bet like what kind themselves right uh, but that's what i'm like, saying Bergie. Like, like, not to be combative like no if yeah, yeah. Three bet, if you three bet the big blind with jack nine offsuit and you never generate folds from slightly better hands like jack 10 off king jack off queen jack off whatever right then your three bet is not that good right but that's kind of the it, purpose of jack 10 off that doesn't that's not necessarily the purpose of like pocket eights i understand so now let's move this into the scenario that we're talking about when you mm -hmm. have Jack-10 suited in a 1-3 game and you're about to squeeze, yep. right? But they don't fold King-Jack off, Ace-Jack off, 
and these hands and ace 10 suited whatever they never fold them then your three bet is not generating as much like profit as you want and they just don't fold these hands so you underperform with the bottom of your linear range and you overperform with the top of your linear right range. and that's but that's the nature of every range I, so that's I'm, why the bottom is there i, I haven't played like the, live cash like for a while so like i i, I guess are people like just not folding to three bets in like these one three games I think it depends. I think in Vegas particularly. Uh, I feel like people overfold the three bets. Maybe maybe I'm wrong though. I that, I just assume that's how the the, the pool would would play. Well, they, I, they they under four bet for sure. They under four bet, and I think yeah. over the aggregate, and they probably like, under three bet. Yeah, I, I think over the aggregate, you probably uh, can get more isolation than either of us are really implying. Mm -hmm. So whether that is uh, solely getting called by the original razor or yeah. or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think that a lot of it, the whole thing that we're, we're, we're tying this back to is sizing, right? right? So people will try to navigate or, or manufacture folds by increasing the size, whether that's the original opening range to begin with, mm -hmm. where they size way up, especially from early position, or it becomes the three bet isolation raise or squeeze, uh, adding, uh, continually adding extra big blinds in these instances in order to try to force more folds and i understand what christian's point is is that if we are if we're three betting aggressively then it's important to generate those folds i'm kind of arguing the opposite i'm saying that it's less important to generate those folds than it is to just be able to navigate post in a deeper spr spot mm -hmm. because the only thing that i'm certain of i'm not sure the frequencies by which they overfold or overcall I, I know that they both happen on the aggregate at some frequency what I am certain of is that a lot of the pool is just either under rolled or under uh, studied, and both of those things lead to fear after the flop. And they make these massive mistakes. They overfold too much. In the flop. Yeah. Like, like it's okay to go to the flop with a uh, with a hand that's dominated because they're just going to make massive mistakes anyway. Right. Like, like if Ace King, if Ace King just doesn't, if Ace King never four bets pre and doesn't peel post, yeah, when it misses, mm -hmm. then you just generate a ton of fucking win yeah. rate. Yeah. And then when you do flop like top pair with with Jack Ten. Like and then, it's and, so then scary. And, you get, and you get resistance or yeah you get like you get played back at or whatever it is then then you just proceed precaution. It just makes your life easier. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. sort of. It's. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you don't just like, stack off with top pair. Honestly, like, like this is what it, it really fucked a lot of my thinking around poker when I shifted from private games to public or sorry, public games to private because for you know a decade plus maybe even longer, it was a simple game where the whole way of generating win rate was the exact opposite of what you would see in theory in theory win rate is generated by your best hands making a lot of money by your worst hands still existing right so you have bluffs or a bottom of range in order to keep your opponent honest so that they can't just purely fold when you're betting and are forced to now pay whenever you have the best portion of your of your range but forever, I, I was able, and it wasn't just me, it was like all of the strong regs that came out of like the early and mid-2000s were kind of flipping that on its head in the sense that people made strong hands so infrequently and they were so protective of how they invested money after they were speculative pre. They knew what to speculate pre with, right? They knew pairs were good. They knew suited hands were good. They knew that uh, broadways were good. So they would speculate with all of these hands pre-flop. But if they didn't flop top of range after the flop, they often would just not put very much money in the middle. And so you would just, 
you know, kind of blast. And the way that you lost money back then was by making top pairs, <laughs> right? Because top pair was dangerous. Right. If you if you, you have a hand a like right. yeah, if you have a hand like Jack Ten and it just comes ten high or Jack high, you kind of like want to check down to the river and bet or call one street. Mm-hmm. Like you want to turn this into uh, a, a one street game at most. Whereas in today's modern game we're getting a lot closer to the theoretical realm, right? And I think Melissa like made a good point in, in chat where it's like, well, if you play too passively, even the wrecks know to start squeezing ace-jack and king-10 and hands of this sort. So you kind of get wrecked in that regard if you think that like, oh, I could just put in a bunch of, or put in a small amount of money with my linear range preflop because squeezing doesn't happen often enough and I'll be able to outmaneuver these people post-flop in, in multi-way environments. And it's like, to some degree, that's partially true because the environment will just always trend too passive, right? Whether they're overfolding or overcalling, again, we're not sure necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know that like they just put money in passively more than they do aggressively. So like if you could lock such that no one behind you could squeeze, then yeah, having like a wide calling range would probably perform pretty well because you're either going to be in the middle or in position and you're just going to make better decisions with your hand rankings there after the flop you might find some creative bluffs you know you might be able to get away from like some top tier holdings because it's a multi-way pot and you just know that the the field isn't bluffing enough whatever the case may be right but the second we unlock it for people to start squeezing appropriately and they now utilize these very large sizes well we're kind of putting middle between a rock and a hard place right now flatting starts to underperform and three betting becomes a lot more attractive but if we want to play what we deem to be a normal range, that means that we're going to have to three bet pretty fucking aggressively, right? We're going to have to three bet eights. Like, uh, I know that Christian and I disagree with this a lot, but like, he's coming from the vantage point where if it goes raise call, he's just folding sixes a lot. Oh. Am I wrong? No, I'm never folding sixes. You're never folding sixes? Raise You're never call? Folding... Yeah. I'm not folding, I'm not folding pairs there. Nine-handed, under the gun opens, under the gun two calls. You're just like in the middle, and you're in the low it's jack called. with it. No, you're just, just you're just always calling your pairs and stuff. Yeah, just call it. Then you call some like somewhat decent stuff, ace queen offsuit maybe every now and then. Okay, the that's fair. Uh, I, I would assume that you were going to play a lot closer to theory in those spots. No, um, people suck. People are like bad. I'm bad too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, I think, I, I think what we need to figure out is. What are we are we talking like are we talking about squeezes where it goes like raise call and then you have jack ten suited? Well, or we're talking just like raise and then you have jack ten suited. Because um, those are very different spots. And I think I think the discussion that we were talking about was raise call, then you have jack ten suited. Right? Yeah. I I mean I think that's the most difficult spot to to deal with. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think almost everybody by default just plays call. And I think that that's largely a mistake. I think I think both you have to play both, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean if you have a calling range in that spot then I think it's fine to have some jack 10. But the problem is if like your instinct is to look at those hand classes, the suited broadway types, uh even like the the higher suited connectors and you just default to this is a call and we're going to go five and six ways and I'll just like, you know, try to realize my equity or whatever the case. I I think that you're giving too much up because remember oftentimes the open is going to be like four or five big blinds. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I, bad. I, I think That's like yeah. you know re- reverting this back to size size actually does matter especially when depth doesn't exist i know we started this with the example of live at the bike but that was the extreme example where everybody's super fucking deep 
And I can make a stronger argument that size doesn't matter, right? Like the sizing isn't all that important because whether you go to the flop at 25 SPR or 75 SPR, the strategy is still going to be insanely complex. Right? No, like, all I'm, what I'm saying is the range is a matter more than anything else, right? Like, yeah, that's true. What, what they're formatting you with uh, is very important, you know, in terms of like whether you want to squeeze this hand or three bet this hand, whatever. So that's, wait, that's, that's do you massively th important. Do you think that if they are too nutted in their four bets, it makes the squeeze worse or better? Uh, I mean, it does. It doesn't. It just changes the way that you should approach post flop. Agreed. Yeah, that's I agree all, with that. That's all that matters, really. Is it, I agree. Is it, I, they, yeah. I, I was originally coming from the stance of uh, a lot of our calls should just shift into three bets or folds because of the sizing. Calls or folds, you said? No, three bets or folds. So like uh, when Yeah, well, yeah, because anytime someone opens bigger, you're just more incentivized to three bet because there's more money to just take down right now if they happen to somewhat fold. Right, and then um, by doing that, our three bet range becomes wider. So I was also advocating that our sizing should be smaller. I think that's where we hit our disagreement. Um, yeah, I don't like the the smaller thing. I just think uh, uh, because it's just you're just gonna go you're just gonna go multi way in a three bet pod. That's never good. That's never good. Well, I think there's a big difference between being three ways and having ultimate position, than being five or six ways and being stuck in the middle for a smaller pot, right? Because the alternative would be to call and just let a bunch of people call behind you too. And like with pairs, it seems like we're okay with that. Because we're not really concerned, like all the EV is going to generate from making sets, right? Like always, the hot and cold hands play good, and then the hands that uh, over nut flush people play good. Ace mm -hmm. eight suited, whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know? king eight That's suited. Fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the jack ten suit. I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think it's a complex problem. Maybe I don't even have the answer for it. To be honest with you, it is. Like, it is because, complex. We're not trying to. I, because I think that what happens is you're going to squeeze the jack ten suited. And they are not going to four bet ace jack suited or king jack suited or any of these hands that should be four betting at a frequency. And now you're in a three way three bet pot dominated, and you're going to try to bluff your way out of it. And that's just not going to work for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> dude, you're just too good. That's the thing. Well, you know what it is, well, Berkey, You're just really good, and no. I'm just. I need. I, I can't do it, bro. The I thing can't is, do the things you do. Like, no, the thing is, is that. <laughs> It's not you on the other end that isn't four betting the ace jack. It's my man with the mamacitas the other day that, <laughs> you know, ask you if you have a real hand and you go, just lay it down. I told you, you just got to lay it down. I'll show you. I'll show Wait, you. Then, was he bluffing? Yeah, it was Jack's first Queens. Yeah, but how is he bluffing? I don't understand. Oh, you got to hold on. I'll find oh, you have now. to watch this no, video. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. But I just don't understand. He just knew. He he put him on queen, so Jack's become a bluff. Yeah. What's so hard, Chen? Fold? Wasn't it like a 10 high flop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 10 high flop, he jammed for like three pots. The only way he could win the hand. And he goes, I'll show you. What do you put him on? I'll show you. Yeah. I think, I, mean, that hand, I think that hand's a lot more indicative of the environment than anything that we're talking about. I think, I think the problem is that we're, we're, we're conflating multiple stakes and multiple games. And it's really hard for me to like think... Like, if I'm playing 1-3, I'm not, like, going to squeeze Jack-10 suited there, dude. Like, it, I just think it's losing money. Like, you're just going to get called by Ace-Jack offsuit. You're going to get called by King-Jack offsuit. You're, you're good luck. Like, you're just dominated by everybody. 
and you're going to hit a, a, a jack, and then you're going to go back to your thing. Oh, you get in trouble when you hit top pair. I hope I never hit anything. And that's how I win. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Know? Yeah, and then, I don't know, man. I just, look, this is this is the thing. The truth is, when you're playing low stakes, knitting it up makes a lot of money. And then eventually, when you get to high stakes, knitting it up loses a lot of money. So, because you just get bulldozed when you get high when you get to high stakes nobody pays you off and and, and you end up just getting bulldozed this is why i stay at two five okay <laughs> and then when you're playing low stakes and you're a knit nobody cares about their what your range is they just play the absolute strength of their range of their hand and then if they're they have a good hand they're paying you like that's it there's no relative strength of hand based on sizing or action it's i have two pair i call your fucking massive bet and that's it that's how I think. When you reach high stakes, now we're talking about a different story with like ranges and four betting ace track suited and all yeah, this I, other stuff. I agree with everything you're saying. And I think that uh, I think it's important for these strategies to be played with at a stake level where you can afford it rather than just winning through a nitty style uh, at the at the low stakes and then trying to jump into the next level uh, without any experience and so having how, complete how would ranges. You, how would you um, how would you implement honestly? Like I I, don't, I honestly don't know because I've never all the three betting I've done at one three last year, yeah was um was just like late position attacks. Like I'll just three bet someone you know that opens the hijack and I'm in the cutoff with track ten suited. I'm not oh, really I think that's squeezing. I think that's completely reasonable. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but I'm not but really would, like squeezing aggressive well, like that. Like, I I would extrapolate that out. Like if it were a low jack open hijack call and I was in the cut with jack ten, I would three bet. Or I would get accustomed to three betting. Maybe I wouldn't always, but the whole point is I wouldn't want to default to just like playing too many calls from hijack cutoff. But uh, buttons fine, like whatever. If you're if you're flicking it in from the button, so be it. Um, and same thing from like the small blind, like in those late position formations of like hijack opens, cutoff calls, and you're in the small blind with jacked and suited. Like I'd be leaning much more. Uh, I would want to trend more aggressive in those situations. It's not that you can't play call ever. You can, but like that's what you've all been doing for so long. It doesn't make you tough, right? Like you become a lot tougher to play against whenever you just play an inflated pot, go to the flop, and everybody misses. Matt, in that spot specifically, doesn't it matter um, what the big blind style is? So, for instance, someone who's like super passive, wouldn't it be okay then to flatten the small blind? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's always going to be okay whether the big blind is passive or aggressive. Uh, it's just the difference between squeezing frequencies. Um, I I agree I agree with you in all heads up spots. Um, like I I don't agree. Like, the problem is, is it's so rarely the, the heads up. The thing is that you don't have you don't have this is you don't have vision over the collective holding frequencies of these players up through multiple streets. So like. We know that they're over. We know that they're probably over defending preflop because they're not mixing in folds with all the hands that are indifferent, right? They're just sure. not mixing those, right? Okay. Then they're probably also calling with some hands that are losing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, fine. Okay. We just agree with that part. Now we. Well, wait, wait, stop well, there. We, wait, wait, stop. Because okay. okay. some something very important comes off of that, right? Okay. If they're making these assumed mistakes, which. I think we can both agree that they are. Yeah. Uh, there are also some very predictable errors in their strategies moving forward in the sense That's that they're... That's the part that, I, that I'm not sure about. You're, 
Okay, well, we I'm not necessarily sure either, but I'm sure that the, they don't have a strategy. Yeah, but... Uh, so I'm imagine agreed, everything... They, they probably don't have a strategy. Right, like, so now imagine everything's just random. So how are you How are you exploiting? Like, how are you, how are you winning? Well, if, if their actions post are now just completely random, it's almost impossible that they'll ever meet MDF. Even collectively as a unit. Right? So you're uh, going to try to bluff them. Well, you're, you're largely just going to be able to redline to death. Yeah. Get him, Berkey. Go get him, bro. Listen, <laughs> this is what I want you to do. Tonight, I want you to go to the win. I want you to sit. Go to the win. Three. I want you to sit at one three. 500. A, an easy, quick 500. Sure. And I want you to try this shit because I think, <laughs> because I think you're going to you're gonna bump your way into minus three buy-ins. Like, I'm up a lot of yeah, money in meetup games. His track record for one three games is actually pretty fucking good. I'm up a lot yeah, of bluffing, fucking money. They are meetup games. They you're are not bluffing games. your way to victory. You're just, I am. You're call oh, yeah, because you're just... Bluffing your way to up thirty buy-ins, right? You're just the greatest bluffer of all time. Well, no, uh, I I make money bluffing. Whether it's a lot or a little, I make money bluffing. But it gets my big hands absolutely fucking paid. Right, and that's and all, that's the whole right. point. That's because your image has bought you that, right? Like your image, well, you, they probably think you're over bluffing. Uh, and what I'm playing, saying we're is, we're playing way too small. Yeah, you're yeah, in a meetup game. It's a little different than a sure. meetup game. But what I'm saying yeah. is that, like, if you do show this tendency to squeeze in these situations, that will become your image. I I agree. I I agree. I also just don't think image matters in these games, dude. Like, I think people play the hand that they're dealt. Well, the, do you think that guy would fold queens? Do you think that guy would fold queens to me? That guy's folding queens. That guy, that's, you think that's the first time he's folded queens? No, but I don't no, think he would fold folds, queens. This is the kind of guy that like brags about the folds. No, no I agree with you. He's, but, he's but, like, it's, he, but it's because he, he, he sees flip, himself he in his opponent. Phone. He has a flip phone, okay? <laughs> and he calls his... And it, yeah, honey, you know, he, it was a 10 high flop and he overbet the turn, you know? I got to lay those queens down. All right, I'll see you home for dinner. Like, this is the time... <laughs> Like, what do you mean? This is, this is... No, like, but I, I agree with that. I also think it's because... Types, there's two types of players at low stakes. There are players, like you're saying, or he, that, like, are, like, massively fear, like, fear-based, right? They're, like, super underrolled, whatever. Uh, but then there's also people that are, like, not folding fucking queens ever to nothing. No, like, I agree. But I, I right? think that's, like, pretty easy to point out, right? Like, it's pretty easy to know the difference between seeing Melissa in your 2-5 game and seeing my man here from from the fucking Poker Bros meetup game. Agree. Yeah, Melissa probably is bluffing sometimes, but she's probably not over bluffing either. It's like she's probably under bluffing in a lot of spots. Like, okay, my argument is that you should not bluff at low stakes. I I don't know, but I, I also I, agree. I think I, that's fair. I just think it's a dangerous one to to promote because if I think that you everybody's already under bluffing. Right. Yes, so, like, you should. It, you should yeah, I agree. Right. I but agree. I'm saying, like, if you're a one, three, two, five player who has ambitions to raise, uh, raise your stakes, take this on seriously, play professionally, whatever the case may be, you're already under bluffing, naturally, for sure, without any questions. Right. And yeah, yeah, if yeah, if yeah. you double down on that, and say like, <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. You should keep playing that way. And matter of fact, what you should study is situations where you can actually tighten up the strings a little bit more. Find situations where you can actually fold that ace queen pre. Find situations, yeah. right? There you go, Perky. Now you're talking. You got to right. fold. When they four bet, you have ace queen fold. 
the problem is is that that strategy becomes insanely capped and very dependent yeah. upon very dependent upon your ability to actually perfectly know or be uh clairvoyant of your opposition strategy so now all it takes is somebody to show up that's competent and you get obliterated your win rate just gets decimated i i, I agree this is what i'm trying this is what i've been saying like if you're playing low stakes live being a nit makes a lot of money when you start playing against people that are better that are like more competent Nits get fucking crushed. Right. Why so how, how this is an earthquake. <laughs> how um, do you? How would you? How would you then you encourage somebody? It's poker. You right. But how be, do you get good if your if your incentive for your environment is to be bad? You have to be good at poker and then move the needle accordingly to your environment. Like because you're a nit doesn't mean you're a nit every day. Because it, you have to know how to play multiple different styles of poker like you should know what where to over bluff spots because it's overfolded. you should know what to other bluff because this guy's not gonna this guy's not gonna fold like but you have what to know these what things. what principles are you deferring back to if you're so this is the problem with getting swept up in the meta and building your entire I'm a, strategy i'm a meta player dude this is why I'm saying I think let, let give me the action at 200 <laughs> acr dude like there's no way I could pull this off when when you build your entire strategy off of pool reads where you don't actually have full transparent data to back it the issue becomes uh say you're the biggest winner in one three and two five how do you get to five ten how do you become a good player to get to five ten you're not putting yourself in an environment your environment is incentivizing you to shift tighter and tighter and tighter and be worse as a poker player and i think we see this a lot with like vloggers as they come through the ranks they start playing one, two, and two, five because that's the everyman stake and that's what they want to demonstrate to the audience and they show and they play pretty bad. They get a lot of criticisms from their, their uh, you know, comment section or whatever. They're too loose in some spots. They're way too fucking tight in others, whatever the case may be, right? But eventually they make enough money at those levels where they say uh, enough's enough. It's time for me to demonstrate that I actually do this professionally and they move up to 510 and they yeah. get obliterated. Every yeah, one of them. They don't yeah, think about happens. poker in a, a theoretical way. They don't think about poker in a strategic way. They think about poker in a human way where yeah. it's all intuitive. This hand is worth X. My opponents always do Y or Z. Therefore, this is my response, et cetera, et cetera. And they absolutely get smashed until finally yeah, that's, they that's say dumb. enough's enough. And I, right, but how, how do you avoid that trap if you're saying like you it's more important to win be... at small stakes? Isn't it more well, important to learn the 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 actual mechanics that sure, are rooted in some a, theory? Yeah, but like, how are you gonna make, how are you gonna build the money to move up to high stakes? Like, you're just gonna like wake up with a hundred thousand dollars tomorrow to play no, five you, ten? No, you play one stake below so that you're properly rolled, right? If you are, if you are, say you have like thirty thousand dollars and that's plenty to play two five profitably. Just play one three a little bit longer. Play one three two, you get to fifty, right? And try a lot of this stuff because one three is going to prepare you for that whaley five ten ten twenty whatever. Like I, I truly believe that a big aspect of being a successful live poker player is the exact opposite of what we've kind of been professing throughout this episode. It's it's actually developing a tolerance for gamble. And not just a tolerance in the sense of I can handle the swings or I can handle the variance. A tolerance in the sense of understanding where the threshold lies between a good gamble and a bad gamble. 
right? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think a lot of that stems from pushing these kind of unknown spots, right? Like not leaning into the comfort of, I have Jack-10 suited, and if I squeeze here, I might get called by hands that dominate me, so I just want to avoid playing uh, an inflated pot here, right? Like understanding that maybe Jack-10 suited isn't a squeeze, maybe it is a squeeze. We can't really flesh that out, but if I just do this enough, I'll get some amount of feedback from the environment itself. Like when somebody just shows up with a ridiculous holding by river and you get the speech of only because it was against you type of thing. Now you can recalibrate, right? Now you can, now you can add layers to the strategy and begin to really cultivate how you're choosing to call based off of formation, how you're choosing to three bet based off of formation. And then the sizings that are going to correlate to that. Because right now, everything is just driven off of emotion. The sizings are large because there's a lot of money out there. And people just want to generate a fold always, right? That, that seems to be the, the, the start and finish of the mindset of like why we go big. Because I can't really think of another, like, if we go back to the squeezing aspect, why would we go big? Uh, in theory or, or in what we're talking about? Uh, let's let's start with practice. Well, in practice, you'd be using a polarized range for that size. Okay, so you say that, but what would the bottom of your pole look like? For for forty big blinds? Well, no, we're not talking about Ishan. We're talking about like okay. a one three two five game. Uh, I mean, because remember, it's going to go like let's say it goes four x open and a call, and we're in a squeeze situation. What's the standard squeeze going to be? If here? I'm going to Okay, so what is it, like $10 call and then $50 for us? Uh, yeah, let's say it goes 12, 12, and now it's on us. What size do we, do we think we're going to pick? Probably like uh, 50 probably bucks, like right? Probably like 58, 60, whatever. Okay, yeah, so fine. 20 big blinds. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're generating so much value with like the top of your linear range. I agree, in that game, you should be using a linear range. Like, yeah. But just the top, in my opinion. Like ace-jack suited, king-queen suited, king-jack suited. Well, if we just use the be, top... If we just use the top, why why do we need tens, to go big? Tens plus because they because they don't fold. That's it. It's exploited. They don't fold. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Well, I guess my counter to that is it doesn't matter if they fold or not. Uh, we don't like it. We we don't have to grow the pot if we only have nutted hands. Say we only have aces as an extreme example. Uh, going big doesn't serve us because the pot will always swell anyway when we have aces. We just have a four street hand. Right, so uh, yeah. all that matters is lowering the SPR, but it doesn't matter how much we lo lower the SPR. I mean, it's beneficial for you to put in more money with, with really exactly aces. Yes, if we could be all in, would want to be all in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, now I just think that people don't hold like we're just generating a lot of money, just value in this spot. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I guess what I'm saying is that I, I think we're also generating a lot for a smaller size, and now we can add in like king ten suited. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you could do that. That's 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 okay. I agree with you. Yeah, I so think, I, I think both. I think both are fine. Yeah. Oh, well, I think both are fine. But I guess uh, theoretically speaking, like, like I understand what you're saying. Like, they're like you're you're basically saying like, look, if you want to be a higher stakes player out one day, like throwing in some squeezes with hands that are like probably like breaking even or slightly winning in this spot. Um, to like get comfortable, you know, why, why does this shit shake? 
for you to get comfortable with what what this looks like is is good. And then you also like get some uh feedback on how these people play. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I guess I think I, I make. I think my strategy makes more money. It one hundred percent does. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. One hundred percent. But I think that you limit yourself to only being able to play two five. If you are, if you're, if yes and no, right? If you're self aware enough to understand that you're doing this because it's the maximally exploitative strategy of this game, but it doesn't necessarily translate to the next well next if, level. If you're aware of that, you wouldn't be playing. Like, if you're aware of that and have the capability of playing a different strategy, then, then the only reason why you're playing small is because el you dinero, need... El dinero, papi. Es yeah, el you, problema. You not, everybody, not everybody got two million house to be selling on the on the market, you know? Not <laughs> right, everybody right. has sure. this type of stuff, you know? Sometimes but you now you're talking about somebody up. who's... Right, but you're talking about somebody who's, like, in a building or rebuilding phase. That's very different than somebody who is... Uh, which is what you're mostly going to find at 1325, somebody who's in the learning phase. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. But you know, I I don't know. I I've always look. I've I did that strategy that I've been saying, like through one three and two five, knowing well that I that that's not how you make money at high stakes. Like you get yeah, even, even your shot taking strategy in high stakes. Like you certainly leave EV on the table, but you protect your your shot. Yeah. Yeah, because of you because you're because of money, right? So it's like I don't know. I, I think I agree with you um in terms of I, I think it's very difficult to implement that at, at low stakes, but you know, you have position, you have a good hand. So Yeah, I guess uh, I'm trying to you fundamentally don't, you don't get, get four bet. Right. You're, you're fine. You're gonna right, be like fine, that. dude. Those are the things that, that really matter. Like, uh, I guess what I'm trying to advocate for here is how we generate or how we choose our size is going to be predicated upon, uh, first and foremost, what our frequencies are. So the, the, more, the more that we are choosing a certain action, the more we're going to have to size down, right? Like if you have a wide opening range, then you're better served to open min than you are 5x, right? Like that seems, that seems obvious, I would hope. Uh, and the same thing becomes true whenever you are uh, put, putting yourself in a situation to three bet. If you want to be playing a lot of hands, then it's going to be important that you're three betting for a slightly smaller size. Now, if you want to split between uh, three betting a tight linear range and calling, that's fine too, but you're going to have to put a lot of work into that calling range construction, right? Because people get too lazy. It becomes way too easy to just always flick it in with deuces, always flick it in with ace deuce suited, always flick it in with these hands that in theory never exist, right? But in practice, you can get away with because the environment's overall passive, right? And that passivity applies to every single street. So you never really get wrecked because you don't get charged, right? Like you just get to over-realize equity in, in a lot of situations. Uh, I think what's critical though is looking deeper into the strategies and those mistakes that are being cultivated by the environment. Like if you get to over-realize equity, then it becomes paramount that SPR is deep enough for you to do so without being charged. You let everybody off the hook once you start applying massive sizes, right? If, if uh, again, going back to the original example, if somebody's going to open for 10x and you're going to flat call Jack 10 suited, you're doing them a favor, right? Not the opposite. Even if they're too wide, nothing, nothing really good happens for you. You just have a, a middle tier hand that's going to struggle to flop enough equity to be pumped to stack off, right? But if they open 10x and you flat a hand like 
a queen, now you're absolutely wrecking them, right? Like that's kind of the give and take. So like when we're talking about sizing, it all comes down to range construction. Like I, I know that this has been mentioned a bunch throughout the episode, but it's very critical to understand what range you're actually uh, constructing and applying to the sizing that you're choosing. And this, this goes forward post-flop as well. Like if you find yourself in a scenario where your range is incredibly tight and you still find yourself only executing a small bet size, well then it better be because your opponent's range is so incredibly wide or so incredibly tight alongside you that this is the best way to ensure that the bottom of their range continues, right? Because otherwise you're, you're gonna leave a lot of money on the table, you're gonna fuck up the pot construction, you're gonna put yourself in a situation where your best hands aren't capable of getting paid by the end simply due to the fact that you didn't get enough money front-loaded, right? Uh, I, I just went over a spot in, on Second Thought for this past week that will be out next Monday where I misapplied my post-flop C-bet size. And um, I think it's a really good example of how somebody who's grounded in theory can take corrective action thereafter so long as they understand what the response is, even if they made a mistake. Right, so I basically three bet out of the small blind with king queen suited, got called uh, by Mike Acevedo, and it came like nine high, none of my suit, and this is like a big better check spot, and I chose quarter, which means that I'm range betting here, which is a problem, because it's not a range bet board, and uh, it's not a board where you're ever really going to utilize quarter pot. the The saving grace, though is that no matter what size I choose, I have enough of an advantage where in position just doesn't really do anything but call or fold. So since I already thought that to be true whenever I chose my sizing, we can take very quick corrective course on turns and rivers because our range is incredibly tight, even though we were range betting, right? We're just choosing a, a, a tight range to three bet with to begin with. And now we just know his range is slightly wider. So we get to attack certain, certain portions and target. I think that like that's something that Brokus does a great job of demonstrating uh, if you ever get the chance to watch his series on targeting on our site. Uh, all of this ultimately does come down to range construction and having some sort of oversight. And I guess that's Christian's overall point of if you do choose the smaller sizing pre, then you can't really expect to generate folds and now you don't have very much vision over what their range looks like. Is that I think of... I think poker live is a maximally exploitative realm of so I don't I, I I am afraid of like telling people to do things like at low stakes to like get better because I feel like it's hard because you don't even get a large sample to get better and the data you get is very skewed like so it's like I don't know I just feel like you sh you kind of just need to get better at poker on your own and then exploit people at low stakes. But maybe that's too simple. Maybe that's just a too... Well, I don't think it's too simple. I just think it's it's cart in front of the horse, right? Like, it's basically saying, get capable of beating 510, and then go back and beat the fuck out of people at 1-3. It depends how much money you have. Everybody it's has all, to... Dude, I mean, you have to assume that, that, that people are not going to learn at higher stakes. It's It's weird, man. Like, because I think... If you play one three no limit hold'em, right, and you just have like whatever, call it, you know, ten k. I don't know. Maybe that's what people have, right? Um, you know, you have like forty buy-ins at two five. Um, I'm sorry, at uh one three, uh, win. Like, 
you should just like make as much money as you can because 10k is not that much money like so just like make 20,000 and then move up to 25 and exploit them and make 100,000 and now you're in a pretty good spot right like isn't that isn't that the name of the game am i going crazy like i would like <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I think you just have like a lot of survivorship bias. Like I think I that agree. That's... I agree. I I I feel like I've ran very good, and I I'm I've ran very good in big spots. I think the amount of people who turn 10k into 100 playing small stakes is one percent. Yeah, only only like five percent of people make money playing poker anyway. That's true. Isn't that? Yeah, that's that's probably true. But uh, that that's true over. Over the long run, right? That that's not true throughout the the course of things. Like there are going to be plenty of people who could potentially be losing, uh, or very likely are losing when they go through the learning phase. Uh, Landon's a good example. He was almost certainly losing as he was learning at like micros and whatnot, but eventually will become a a, a long time winner as so long as he gets there. Right, but that's because he's playing micros. Right, you're playing ten and L. You're playing five cents, ten cents. Yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like anybody who's going to take on the the live dream would have to see one, two, and one, three the same way. Maybe that's true. I don't know. It's just. I mean, maybe the, the money the, factor is just too great. I think it's hard, man. Losing. Imagine. It, okay, like this is the truth of the matter. Like Landon goes like what? Well, not Landon. Any any live uh any online player. You go on like a 20, 30 buy and down swing. Very normal in some spots, especially if you're not winning at a high clip, right? Like, let's say you're winning 2 BB per 100, whatever. You're going to go on a 30 buy and down swing. You go on a 30 buy and down swing, playing 1 3 no limit hold'em, you're out of the game. Like, for the most part, you're just gone. You're just never to be seen again in like the forest somewhere. You know what? But like, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I just think that the stakes actually mean a lot more live because the game's actually like, it's tough to replenish. Yeah, it's just a chunk of cash. So, like, I don't know. Look, I don't have all the answers. This is why you run the show, Merck. Like, <laughs> I don't have the, the answers fucking, either. You run the show. Get in there. Three bet Jackson suited. Fucking who cares if they call with Ace Jack suited? Because any bet you see bet the flop, it comes nine eight high. You're gonna win anyway. Who cares, dude? You're gonna Make win on nine eight high a lot. Yeah, you win. You nine eight high. You got yeah, board coverage. You got you need board coverage. Dude. <laughs> this is this is. I mean, nah, look, all I, jokes. All I, I'm joking, but like at the end of the day, like you're you're right in a lot of spots. I think it's just a different framework. Like when I look at live low stakes, I just think of like you're just printing money. You're not really there to learn. Like you learn on your own time. Like you learn on the side, right? And yeah, then, like, I guess I guess I think that that's that's again survivorship bias. Like most people yeah. playing small stakes are not printing anything. They're they're losing. That's why. Right, like, that's why it's soft. To, yeah, I agree, Berkey. Right, like, I think it's okay, just a maybe, crutch. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just a lot of survivorship bias. I I I agree. Yeah, I know you're very like, good I at busted. the game. I no, I'm not that good, dude. Like I'm not three betting Jackson <laughs> student. I'm just uh, in one three a squeeze. Are you crazy? Like, <laughs> dude, this bust bust. Think I'm trying to bust my role. Like, look, no, and honestly, this is this is what I did. Like. I, I agree with you. Like you came this you learned this way, right? Like you learned through trial and error, right? So like you were in there, you were slinging it with the Jack Ten suited three bet, maybe even Jack Nine suited. Burke, I've seen you squeeze Jack Eight suited. I've sure. seen it all. Sure. Like But I learned like look, I played low stakes and it was just I'm just there to I'm just there to print. Like I'm not I'm not I'm there for one job only. Like But you knew you already knew what you were doing when you were playing those stakes is my point. 
at least to some degree. And you also came from a very risk averse background. Like at, at your first, you know, your earliest story is having aces pre and nit rolling somebody where you almost didn't even want to call off because you thought he was going to make a flush. I, that was the first time I played poker and I had $500 to my, my network. <laughs> right. Okay. Right, so. And ever since then, Berkey, <laughs> it's been a fucking straight line to two five. Okay. <laughs> so right. leave it alone so that's what i'm saying like uh at some point like i guess it just becomes a matter of do you want to win now or do you want to win forever and that's that's yeah, a yeah, yeah. bigger conversation I, to have yeah i i think i think that's a really cool conversation yeah tips and I, I tricks think... and tactics and like you know just play tighter than the field like yeah you're gonna make some money it honestly i think like that is easily most easily paralleled to mtt's right like there are a lot of people out there that will just spread the information of like, you don't really need much to be good at MTTs. You just need, be, need to be able to buy in, play tight, know your shove ranges, know your call off ranges. And like, you're just printing money. I think it's the other way around, dude. I think you should just uh, now in tournaments, I'm the opposite of this. You should three bet the shit out of everybody. You should see bet every single flop. You should open wide from all positions. That's what you should do. Just be a complete fucking maniac. You're going to make money because people are risk averse and they don't want to call down for their life. That's <laughs> how you should play tournaments. And eventually you're going to win something because you're just going to bull your way, bulldoze your way down to the final table. And that's it. And then when you get down to 20 big blinds, play tight and reshuffle. Sure. Sure. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think the game can be that simple. Uh, and I, I think it's like barbaric, it, it's barbaric out there, bro. Listen, I think tournaments I watch- are actually the exact opposite. I think I think they're the most nuanced, complex version uh, of poker that we can. You've changed. You've changed. Well, it's just true. You've I mean, changed. the mistakes that you can make are smaller because you're 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 more shallow in general, so you're not making as big of a big blind per hundred loss rate. But uh, when you factor in the ICM and the attach the dollar to that big blind per hundred loss rate, it becomes pretty astronomical. I've and- heard. I've heard. Listen, one time I spoke to Fedor Holtz, and he told me ICM's a myth, dude. He told me. He told I me mean, himself. You know when he, he lied. Told me? He lied to you. <laughs> no, he ain't lied to me. He ain't lied to me, dude. He was telling me the truth. Son. He was know. next to Elliot Rowe. That's how I know he was telling me. Mm, he wouldn't lie. He wouldn't lie in front of him. No, nah, he, he would never do that. Uh, I don't know if ICM's a myth. I I personally don't like to abide by it because it's very complex. But it's also just like very. Um, it's it tournaments are early. They're just early in in the strategy discovery phase, right? Like. The best model we have is ICM, and it's a very imperfect one. Whereas, I mean, I buy by ICM. Obviously, I made the money with four big blinds left. Yeah, well, you had to do. I was, what you had to I do. was, uh, you know, I was not gonna bubble that goddamn thing. So what yeah. is? No, what I is literally final, just didn't get dealt a hand for two hours. What is the final conclusion? You should just. Uh, you should, it's a mix. That's the conclusion. <laughs> Everything is a mix. No, I, I think like if we're talking about preflop, I think in general, smaller is going to be better. For everyone involved. Well, not for everyone involved. For for anybody who's interested in curating a real strategy. I think large is lazy. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like, there will be situations where large is obviously better. And, uh, you know, if you do any MTT study, you can find situations where, like, just 3-bet jamming 40 prints. Button opens yeah. 2.2. You're in the small with 7s. Rip 40. Like, that just makes money, right? So that is a demonstration of how large sizes can be utilized before the flop in order to find the, the greatest DV. But in general, if the SPR is going to be anything of reason moving forward, you're better served to go slightly on the smaller side than whatever intuitively feels like 
the uh this is about the right price right like you know uh i think that it comes down to simple risk reward calculations and the larger that you continue to go the tighter and tighter that range needs to be which becomes problematic because now you're either passing on profitable spots or you are fitting too many hands into a size that's going to absolutely get obliterated once people respond you just jam you got 100 big blinds open for 4x call call in two spots i'm all in two tens now what i win sometimes you're supposed to do that i think that's yeah it's 13 and a half big blinds you just picked up yeah <laughs> so all jokes, all jokes aside though like so you think you should have what do you think the difference in your strategy will be if you play one three and like if you're playing one three at the win versus 10 20 at blush um i think my biggest adjustments are post not pre I think that that post flop, I do a lot less barreling in one three because pots are multi-way more often. So I'm a lot more selective in the candidates that I would choose to uh, to put in money post. And I think my sizings would all scale back because I would want to threaten all in on rivers more often than anything else. That's just the nature of multi-way pots in general, right? Um, you try to pure, you try to procure a range that will have value and bluffs on the end and you're not that particular about how those hands are performing on the earlier streets right so like i'm le i'm a lot less concerned about protection i'm a lot less concerned about um having future optimal bluffs and i'm much more concerned about having equity and then uh having hands on the end that will block or unblock calls and folds based off of what i want them to do so I would try to turn it into like a two and three street game post flop as much as possible because of the multi-way factor. Whereas in like 1020, most pots are going to be uh, heads up and you are going to basically have two strategies on most boards that are going to segregate between very linear working towards being polarized if you're the uncapped range or just starting off very polar because you're uncapped and have that big of an advantage, right? It's the overbet on ace king five. You're just, you're just starting polar, and then you're partitioning your range out thereafter, as opposed to, uh, you know, maybe the range bet on king three deuce, where you're carrying a linear range through multiple streets, but you'll still have polar actions as you arrive at river. Maybe you have a three hundred percent pot jam with some hands, right? Like it's so much more complex. There's so much more nuance whenever you're playing at depth against competent players in heads up scenarios where we all have some sort of vision over what the ranges look like what the strategies look like at one three it's it's a lot more quote-unquote bingo right so i'm just going to try to go post as much as possible with hands that have high upside with minimal risk pocket pairs suited aces things of that sort uh i'm going to put a lot more of uh an onus on making five card hands you know, you make straights, flushes, full houses. You make a lot more money than if you make one pair type of holdings versus people who inadvertently slow play, right? The people who like play queens scared for three streets whenever you're just blasting off with ace 10 on a 10 high board. Uh, you kind of just get clipped by their accidental trappings. That, that would be the major difference to me. So it basically comes down a lot to sizing and range construction.
Yeah, that's exactly like that last part is exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Like you just try to make good hands without putting a lot of money in. Well, specifically, you try to make five card hands. I think that's the biggest difference. Is a lot of your win rate in like 10, 20 and above when you're playing a strategic game will come from like top pair plus. Whereas a lot of your win rate in these lower state games come from five card hands. So like straights plus. And that's the major difference that we're looking at, right? Uh, I, I, I'm not so sure why, why you say that. Because like you could still like it, at low stakes, you should be like value betting like super thin. Because they they call like if the board is like a uh if the board is is like a flush or whatever, like they're still calling like one pair or, or and stuff like that. Like you oh, I think the opposite's true. Yeah. I think that's true in like yeah. a a higher stake environment. Yeah, I think they overfold uh, a lot to just. Like, I think when think board textures change. Well, I don't know about overfolding, but I think in in low stake games where board textures change, uh, they they overshift their ranges. So a hand that was like very strong, like top pair, top kicker. Uh, when the flush card falls or when the straight card falls, uh, I think that they they can tend to overshift it and uh, you know either potentially turn it into a bluff themselves or just like have a have it as a low ranking bluff catcher. Yeah, like they need to have bigger hands. Like that's because why it's multi way, right? Right. So it's like that's why having a, having straights, flushes, full houses are profitable because you'll get called by the two pairs in the sets and the. And the, the straights versus the flushes. That's not to say that I, you can't value bet thin. Uh, I for sure think that you can value bet thin. Mm -hmm. But like, I would say like you can value bet two pair on a one liner, right? Like, not so much like one pair on a super textured wet flop or or I river. Think, I should say. I think say. what happens. I, I think I think the major difference. Sorry, my camera went crazy. I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the major difference I think is that people at low stakes. And play the absolute strength of their hand rel instead of the relative strength of their hand. Yeah, I agree with that. And and when that's the case, they they are just fairly easily uh, they just call for too much money. Like they just like overvalue their hand by large, large, large amounts, like hundreds of blinds. Like the reason why the, the I think that's the, true prior to the board texture changing for sure. It, the board texture changes, sure, but like they're not going to fold two pair even when the board texture changes. It's still two pair. Agreed. Like, it, yeah, I agree. Right, that. But that's a, but that's a huge amount of your win rate coming. Like when you get in a hundred big blinds on the river, we're agreeing. And they call though. right, but I think that's a that's a huge problem. Yeah, like, but we're agreeing. That means that you need a five card hand. Correct. And what I'm saying is like when okay, so my major thing is like when you're three betting these like bottom linear hands. It's mostly to like take away, right? It's it's yeah. it's mo it's it's not. I'm not gonna call it a bluff because obviously the definition of a you bluff have equity, you know yeah. Is, yeah, right. We have equity, but like it's not for value, right? It, it's it's straight like it's an equity hand with intentions of a steal, uh, at some point a takeaway, right? The two factors at low stakes that that are working against you are the first one, which we can argue about, is you don't necessarily have um. And uh, like clairvoyance or vision over the relative fold frequencies of these two opponents, right? We we could we could argue we don't we don't know, right? The second part is that they overvalue uh, hands for massive amounts of money. So, though combining those two things, the fact that you we don't know their fold frequency and we don't know how much they're willing to put money in, means that like this hand is going to underperform through the three bet, in my opinion. 
Because how are you going to take it away from them when they overvalue hands? I just don't. I just don't see it. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, um, but I, I guess where we where we disalign is like I don't think they overvalue no pair hands. Okay. So and I just, think yeah, so I, we I just think they miss, have no so. yeah, I think they just miss a lot. Like yeah, I think I, mean, I think C betting works yeah, yeah. I think C betting works more in low stakes than any other stake. Yeah, I agree. I agree that C betting but like they yes, I agree that C betting does work, but like you're gonna C bet a three way three bet pot with no vision? Like how are we gonna win this hand? I just I think it's expensive. It can be. Or, but Where that's again why I'm just... advocating for sizing down pre. Yeah, but right. Like that, <laughs> just in general, I just in general, I would utilize a lot more small sizing uh, sort of strategies at, at small stakes. Yeah, I mean, I I think both strategies work. I'm just I, I need to try your strategy and, and, and see because I'm scared, dude. <laughs> Get in there. Like, like I I don't I I'm like okay, just gonna I don't know what they're doing. But I know what I'm doing. I'm in there. <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 I mean, you. I get... you understand. I mean, you know how all this works, man. It, it's all a simple toy game of trying to get to the river where uh, you're the range that's the ace and the queen, and they're the range that's the king, right? So it's like, yeah. It, the problem is they never fold the fucking king in this game. Maybe, maybe not. It. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. It's 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 kind of difficult. Uh, <laughs> we literally have video of a guy folding the nuts. Face up. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's a tournament though. I, I get no, that. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, that was a tournament. No, it, was, it was a tournament. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it was? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it was a cash game. Yeah. Oh, that's way different. That's why I say three bet everybody, C bet Fair. everything. <laughs> like, Fair. Anyway, the no, whole point I, the whole look, point that I, I'm getting get at you. is like I, I get you. I, I get you. Obviously, like you're 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 top top tier. Well, the whole like, point right. I'm trying to make is that if the entire game that we're trying to orchestrate, if we're trying to simplify small stakes down to anything, and it's it's that we want to be in the toy game where they have uh they have a lot of kings and we have more of the ace and the queen then it's very important to manipulate the pot such that we arrive at river uncapped and with enough bets behind that we can apply a lot of pressure to the king right yeah but if they overvalue the king it doesn't matter right then you adjust accordingly obviously right but... that's that's what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying yeah if they yeah, over, I agree. if they overvalue the king they used to just have less queen. Period. Correct. Absolutely. And Obviously. That's why I'm saying fuck those bluffs. <laughs> let's get it. Let's get those nut hands and put a bunch of money in the middle sure. and move on with life. Make it to 510. And then now when they're like, oh, the king isn't that much. And now we bring back some queens, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that I think all of that is is very relevant. Um I, I this just, is what you're gonna do. This is what you're gonna do, Burke. When Brown Baller three bets you to forty big blinds, bro, just four bet, and that's it. No, that's what so, I was doing. I don't care that that that. I only gave that example because I thought it was the most extreme version. That was the opposite of what you see at small stakes. Like yeah. we're so many thousands of blinds deep that I think I think his size is actually reasonable, and you can make a very strong argument that size act, truly does not matter uh, when you have that large of an SPR, right? Like you're in a scenario where it's okay, we're still gonna be thirty plus SPR even if he makes it forty blinds pre. Um I just thought that, that was like a really extreme example to say like, okay, well there are times where sizing is truly not that important. Right. Now let's look at the 
alternative extreme where most stacks are going to be 100 big blinds effective. You're playing small stakes. The rake is relatively high. People are playing way too many hands. Sizing is going to be very important here if you want to have any post-flop playability, right? Because if you're just blasting, you know, you could easily develop a strategy where your three bets are, are mostly going to be, uh, you know, for quarter of stacks all the way to all in. And, you know, you could make a fair amount of money like that. We, there was an old book that Skolansky wrote where he taught a girl how to play tournaments with like three lessons, like something along the lines of like she had like five hands and if she was ever dealt those hands, she just moved all in no matter what. And, like you know, Jack's plus ASK or whatever. Yeah, like functions. Take like the kill fill strategy. Sort of, yeah. Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm right. at. See? Anyway, so here we are learning how to play <laughs> a 1 3, no limit hold. And Berkey wants you to 3 bet Jack 10 student from all positions for the large size. Oh, no, wait. The small, no, small size. size. Small size. Yeah. Also, 3 bet for the small size so that they can call and you can take it away. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, it. At the end of all this conversation, like we're being very pedantic about uh, focusing on these certain hands. If we just use nines or tens instead of like jack ten suited, I think it exemplifies the point a lot better. When you have nines or tens, you get desperately afraid of seeing flops, and so like you size way up, and then the folds don't come through, and it still comes jack higher, queen higher, king higher, ace higher, whatever, and you're just left on a fucking island to try to navigate. And then what ultimately ends up happening is people get afraid to start three betting these hands. And they start calling and falling victim to the same strategic problems that the rest of the field is falling victim to, right? So it's like, if you just manipulate the sizing better, such that you have playability post, now all of a sudden having nines and tens in a range where it comes jack high, isn't that terrible. And it's going to be the same thing in all sort of multi-way scenarios. That's why I think like small sizings in general are just going to massively overperform at, at small stakes. I can see it. I can see it. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, tens you're three betting for for value though. Like you are. Yeah. So, but you like run into the exact same problem. problem, if not a worse problem than Jack Ten. At least with no, Jack Ten, cer certainly not, Berkey, because you could just check down. Well, you could just you you, could just, you have showdown. Yeah, you can try to get the showdown, but you're still going to be in a multi-way pot where you get to for sure see a turn. But beyond that, your hand never improves. And you're forced to make some pretty tough decisions when facing bets on turns and rivers. Whereas, like with Jack Ten, at least you're just gonna have nothing a lot. Like having you know nothing. You know what I realized, Berkey? What? You like having nothing a lot. You like that's your thing. <laughs> well, that's your thing. I, you're with me. I'm like, oh wait, tens is really good hand. I'm gonna three bet this for value, and if I need to check down, I'll check down. You're like, nah, bro. I'd rather have Jack Ten suited, have nothing, and then get them to fold. <laughs> Well, you're, you're kind of shifting into the best case scenario of like it comes queen high and you just get the option to never put a dollar in. Like that's you just... Do. You have position. You just check it back. If they bomb it on the turn, you fold. They don't have to bomb though, is the whole point. They could just be betting. And like facing bets okay. with a hand like it that in an environment that feels like it doesn't bluff enough is not comfortable. Yeah, you just call. If they could have nines, you call. And if they... That's it. You just fold. If they, if they just... They, this is a thing that we all agree. But the part that we me and you agree on is they're not bluffing, right? So, right. so if they're not bluffing, tens feels bad. Yeah, it feels bad. You just fold. That feels they bad. It, no, it doesn't feel bad. You just fucking eat. Sorry, I don't want to curse anymore. Well, you if that's fold. the case, yeah, but if that's the case, you're you're going to be forced into folding a lot of your range posts. You'd rather have the nothing so that you can at least remain aggressive. Uh, 
yeah, okay. You could have nothing, but you're just like you understand I what I'm we're, saying? Like we're you gonna got... keep we're gonna keep going in circles because like when you have nothing against like, people that overvalues hands, you're gonna underperform. Right? It comes down like I, I don't see how we get away from that. I mean it depends. Like if you're speculating that like they overvalue nines and tens and just like never fold post regardless of how many overcards fall, then yeah, of course. I don't think that's true. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Obviously, they're going to fold if it comes king queen high, like with nines or whatever. But I also yeah, but think even they're like never going to fold. But I also think they're never going to fold king ten, no matter how many streets you put in. Sure. On king queen three six seven, king ten seeing the river. Yeah. And you're just going to launch it with jack ten suited, trying to target king ten ace queen, and you're just going to get called. Well, you don't have to. You don't. That, that's my whole point. Is that like you have the versatility with jack ten where you can win the pot uncontested, and if you don't, then you just have the equity that you can draw to with two tens. You're pretty binary post to having the best hand or not in a multi-way scenario. You're not okay, going to turn your change, hand into let's a bluff. It. So if you have five four suited, right? Yeah. One of the hands that is like premium to squeeze, right? I think that hand in that environment massively under under. I agree. Yeah, but it's it's a very similar concept. It's not what, though because you you block so many more of their hands. Like your your concern with Jack Ten is that you're dominated when you make pairs. You're not dominated when you make pairs with 5-4, but that, that hand sucks because you don't make any pairs worthwhile. Yeah, but... Uh, okay, so you're and just And when saying... you don't make a pair with 5-4, they do make pairs a lot. Because it's obviously a, a, a high-trending board. Right? Like, I, I think you're giving them a, like way, way, way too much stickiness credit. Yes, people overvalue their hands, but they overvalue their hands in such a way where it's like it was once top of range and is now depreciated due to board texture. They don't suddenly just have like two sixes and see five overcards and just be like, nah, fuck this guy, man. No, Calling pop, course, pop, but, pop. But, but, but like ace king on king, jack, nine, xx can go three streets at one three. Just straight three streets because King Ace Jack might call, King Queen is calling, King Ten yeah, is you're calling. All, you're, bro, you're always gonna be able to cherry pick hands, but those these hands no, in what theory I'm saying are is just like obvious major... bluff catchers. No, but I'm saying like they're yeah, but they're not obvious. Like people are not just like calling down King Ten on King Queen on King Jack Nine XX for three streets in a three bet pot. Like that's that doesn't I mean, happen at ten twenty. Like you just don't get called on that river bet. I mean. Like, you don't not get called. You don't not get called, but you don't get. You don't just <laughs> always get called. All right, but like, like you know, this hand's zero EV by the end. Like I yeah, don't think agree, the, I don't think agree. those hands are the targets. Uh, I mean, when you're tripling it off on King Jack, on King Jack Nine with like Ace Ten, you're hoping to generate a fold from like King Ten or Jack Ten or whatever Ace Jack. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you're really you're you're trying to make the Jack indifferent, not the King. I mean, King Ten is not printing money on the river call. No, like, but it calls right. more than it doesn't. Yeah, it's a decent call. I'm not. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying. All I'm saying is like these hands that you're like zero EV trying to get to fold by the river are not folding at small stakes. Yeah, yeah, I and agree. I think with that. that's. I think that's where the a large chunk of the money is made. So I, I, that's that's my argument of like, look, I love. I I want to bluff. Okay, so I'm gonna go down there and fucking launch it. Okay, fuck it. I agree with you. <laughs> Report back. Minus three buy-ins. I, I think, yeah, I think uh, you need I'm, to take I'm, 5k. I'm obviously kidding. Like, I, I just think the squeeze spot is bad. I think the three-bet spot is fine. I think the squeeze spot is probably a little bit harder to pull off. Yeah, you're afraid of multi-way. I get it. 
I'm not afraid of it. I just don't know how to. Uh, you just want to use win. big bets. You just want to use really big bets. This is one with small bet. bets. No, man. I'm, look, man. You want me to pull out the 10%? I'll do it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Take take 5K to parks. Go grind some 1 2. 5K? Yeah. We we gotta we gotta we gotta up that tolerance. I I wanna know like how bloody can it get? I've won, I once lost three thousand at one three. Were you drunk? I thought I was I, no dude. I, I just I just lost. I ran really bad. I ran really, really bad. I tried a three bet Jackson suited and a squeeze spot. That's what they always say. <laughs> it gave King Queen high and I got wrecked. No, sure. honestly, I, 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 I like what you're saying in terms of like getting people better, especially if they don't play online, like this stuff is like the stuff you're going to need to like, you know, eventually move up and there's going to be some variants in there. So I think, you know, you just got to like be willing to withstand the variants and like what's being understated is the amount of post-flop skill that you do need to have though. Cause you are like, you're, you're advocating for small sizing, which means you are going to go post-flop and yeah. you're going to, you're going to have to figure out why does this thing keep shaking? Oh, uh, you're going to have to figure out uh, how to win in these spots which well, is not I, as easy as as like oh you just flop equity and win the pot no 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 of course not i i think that uh i think that going posted is inevitable like whether you choose large or small sizings you're still gonna have to go post but you're right in the sense that if you choose the larger size your post flop decisions are minimized so uh you do find yourself in more scenarios where you could just be all in by flop or turn but again i think like these restricted strategies are are very they they handcuff tremendously right they're very lazy if you're trying to set up one spr situations going into post over and over and over again every time you play a three bet pot uh you're not going to get any better at poker you're just probably going to make a lot of punts because the fact of the matter is even at one spr you're still utilizing small sizes and trying to play three street games often like if it comes king three deuce and you have king queen your goal is not to jam yeah, and then hope that they just have a worse king to peel with, or that they don't fold tens or something like that. It's it's to find a way to navigate three streets and to slowly get the money in as it's supposed to. But I think that that fear of being outdrawn, the fear of um, you know what's to come, and all these other aspects are what plague people with small stakes and prevent them from ever being winners. So it's like you know we can preach this tight is right tactic as much as possible but it really only makes money on one street and that's pre and then moving forward it sets you up for simpler strategies but there's still a fuck ton of mistakes that you could be making leaving money on the table as well as you know putting yourself into situations where uh the your your opposition is funneling closer to their top and you're not recognizing it now all of a sudden your value hands aren't making the money that they should be because there isn't any target to shoot at uh, there's a lot of situations you'll find yourself in in those scenarios where you're playing a three-bet pot, you have top pair, top kicker, and you arrive at the river and you find yourself like wanting to check down because you just can't possibly find the hand that's worse that will still call. Yeah, that happens for sure. That happens for sure. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, dog. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if we actually tackled much of the 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 conversation in hand but i think it was fun to talk uh kind of overall strategy we will be back tomorrow uh lex was going to join us but uh he actually had to pull out last minute he's taking care of his newborn child and is struggling to get on a reasonable sleep schedule considering that we are i think 12 hours apart maybe nine hours apart something like that uh it's just not gonna work out so we're gonna let him get used to family life a little bit try to reschedule that sometime in the future 
not sure what we're gonna have planned for tomorrow. We'll 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 come up with something good though. Uh, Friday we're gonna be joined by Caitlin and Nikki Lima again. Um, gonna do a little St. Patty's Day. I don't know game of sorts. I suppose. Uh, I heard they have something in the works too. Who? Oh, Nikki that, and Caitlin. That, that, them too, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're doing some sort of content. Uh, I didn't get all the specifics, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it on Friday. I know, uh, it, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to like spoil the fun, so I'll just let people. Wait. Good, good. We'll reveal until Friday. We'll reveal on air. Uh, Christian, you have a huge fan in the chat in AYH. Uh, I think he wants you to do a private call with him if you uh, want to set him up for a little thousand dollars an hour. Thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> You'll get it back tenfold in those one three shoot games. AYH, I promise you. Actually, I don't even coach people anymore, dude. Like, wow, hundred k. Too good. He's just too good. No, no, no. I just don't have time, bro. Banks are crashing around the world. Like this shit is crazy, bro. Like you need to enjoy your life. The moments you have, you need to you need to treasure them, dude. Don't be don't be selling your hours out like that, bro. It's all a house of cards, man. We've known this for decades. It's just bro, uh... like today I woke up. Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse is just done. Like what is going on, bro? This is like. What do you mean? What's going on? Ima imagine, imagine somebody gave you a billion dollars, and said, uh, "Do with this as you see fit." I don't need any any of the money that you earn off of leveraging this. I just need you to be able to give me back my billion on a whim. And you go, what's the penalty if I can't give it back to you on a whim? And they go, we'll make fun of you in public. You're like, done. And then you just go fucking fire. This is what I learned, bro. I was talking to a couple people this week that they, they're, like, they're, big, they're big in the game, right? And they're like, listen, you thought poker was bad? Like, the real thieves, like, they wear suits and they kill you with pen and paper, bro. Yeah, of like, course. Like, they, like, sign right here. This You're isn't good. new. You Michael know, Lewis like, is probably like, writing another book as we speak. He's, he's tacking right on to the FTX scandal. He's just going to have a double movie coming out. Yeah, y'all worried be... about, like, live streams and shit. Like, bro, worried about the banks. The like, financial like, collapse. Like, Stick it under your fucking mattress again. Let's Bro, go. This is this is nuts. But like you know, it's it's a cycle, right? Hopefully, like we could we could come back. Like whoever invested in fucking two thousand eight, like got rich, right? So mm -hmm. maybe this is our two thousand eight again. And we need exactly. to we need to just Light, fire off opportunity again. of a lifetime. Maybe it is <laughs> opportunity maybe it of is. a lifetime Bro, every know. every seven years. <laughs> maybe maybe yep. this is the this is this is the game, right? Like maybe well, like didn't we just years, have this in two thousand eighteen? I mean, how many more crashes are we gonna have to live through? No, but that crash was like the COVID crash. I don't count. That no, was, COVID wasn't until twenty twenty. You're talking about crypto crash. Oh no, no, no. we're, no, like, we're talking about real, real companies. Well, at some point there know? has to be there has to be overlap, right? You crypto still have you still have uh, points or? I have a little bit, yeah. All right, you 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 good, you good. That's why you three betting. <laughs> You're good. You're doing okay, bro. All right, we're out of here. We'll we'll be back at noon tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to see all your faces. I was I I, I enjoyed. Uh, I've been watching. Uh, when I've been on my computer and stuff, I was I tuned into the Conrad. Uh, the Conrad. Um, Poker News article was really nice, and all that stuff's really good, man. I really enjoyed. I really been keeping up. It's really nice. That's good. That's good. Maybe you'll be back in Vegas someday. Yeah, don't be a stranger. I, uh, I, dude, I love y'all. Y'all, y'all awesome. All right, I'll catch y'all tomorrow. I gotta go try to save a bank. Yep, get them. See you guys tomorrow. All right, peace. I know Guapo doesn't turn off my mic, so I'm not gonna talk.